0: The unwelcome presence of a rogue warden lurking within the jungle forced us out of hiding, which was inconvenient for my own personal spell preparation. During our escape from authority, I unintentionally activated Mask of Many Faces for the first time. Thanks for letting me know I was capable of that, by the way.
1: You're welcome.
0: Shortly after dodging arrest, the crew assigned new responsibilities. Blah, blah, blah. Bore, bore, bore. Let's get to the more controversial aspect of our week, shall we? So, damage control is not my strong suit, which shouldn't be surprising to me. I'm used to making it, not mending it. That was always the others. Firstly, Little Wolf and I's conversation did not go as planned. I try to be good, put on a friendly, oblivious mask in hopes of befriending this child my patron was so intrigued by. I mean... We're both kids struggling in our own ways with this magical powers we found ourselves with, and yet I've been dubbed as the dangerous one. A liar who is well aware of the being that has attached itself to them. He wasn't wrong. I am a liar. I am very much aware of who I've put my trust in. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't like a second set of eyes to help me better understand the pact I've made. Even if he can't learn all of the details. Instead, he insisted I no, threatened me to keep away from him and his brother. He treated me like a monster, some disgusting, vile thing, and I do not appreciate that. I left. If he thinks of me as a monster, so be it, but when his own magical malice inevitably consumes him, I will not be there to help him pick up the pieces. <laughs>
1: Ah, yes, the wolf. He is a delightful one, isn't he? Thinks himself a little warrior. (laughs) Well, I suppose he's convinced I'm some sort of beast lurking over your shoulder, Dorian. I assure you, he's got us all wrong. I am many things, but I believe the antiquated term, Guardian Angel, is more appropriate. You know what? He might actually be jealous. He wants what you have someone to guide you, someone to protect you, someone who understands. I pity that the closest thing he can get is his bumbling brother, too high off Dragon's Breath to offer any real advice, or that brainwashed ex-cultist obsessed with finding God. (laughs) (coughs) Uh, Perhaps I have said too much. Continue.
0: Just when I didn't think the day could get any worse, I was assaulted by the Rambler and Slim during my evening read. It took an aggressive turn right from the start. Rambler no doubt made up his mind about my situation before he even confronted me. Even if he had not believed the clueless persona I tried to maintain, he didn't take a moment to consider me as a person. No thoughts on why I might have made the pact, nor whom I made the pact with. Just assumptions and ridiculous predictions of my future when he doesn't even know my past. Hell, I'd like to call out the pod of the situation. I'm not the only one associating with otherworldly beings here. Just look at his buddy, Slim. He's not exactly mortal the same way Rambler and I are. Now is he? But I didn't say anything. I had so much anxiety over it all that I could only stare off and take their accusations half-listening. Reminding me of those who are convinced they're helping me, oblivious to to the damage they're doing along the way. And this is exactly why I voted for Sister for Captain. Are you happy, Your Highness? (sighs) I'm more alone than ever. What's a mask going to do when you're already rotten underneath? It can only hide so much.
1: Do not fear, Dorian, you are not alone, nor are you the only one to wear a mask. Your new captain wears a mask, so does the one they call Slim, so did the beast. Do not be cowed by the Rambler's words, he does not know the truth. He does not know our pact. He may have reason to be skeptical of one such as I, but his fears are unfounded. Perhaps he will discover his folly perhaps he will take it to the grave what one man believes of us does not need to taint our reputation among the rest of the crew see to it that it does not speak the truth if you have to Unmask before those who may be more forgiving of you, but not a narrow-minded, jaded old man who believes he knows what's best, even as he meddles with terrible powers that may easily overwhelm and ruin him. Let him be a lesson. To be too sure of your own truth is to invite failure. Remember, overconfidence is a slow and insidious killer.
0: Speak the truth so they can end up like her. I don't know if I'm willing to take that chance.
2: Hmm. Bumbling fool, what the fuck?
3: (laughs) Are Are you saying this is incorrect?
2: I, th- I,
4: thought, I thought your looks on a rainbow were pretty accurate
3: <laughs> The king is wise as he is powerful
0: <laughs> I had fun writing that and I, I think
2: Joe did too I don't know who called me a bumbling fool but <laughs> that is so accurate <laughs> Goddamn!
3: to hide off or help to his own flesh and blood
2: Hell, Hold on, that's not true <clears throat> I already ha- offered help <laughs> Are you sure about that? I've already been helping him
3: we begin with a wide establishing shot of the ship at sea it rocks slowly on the clouds which are just a beautiful brilliant white with the morning sun and a narc circles overhead and skyfish flutter alongside the ship and we draw over to the uh to the rail on the main deck where two pirates are leaned over the rail talking uh they both have the same brilliant red hair but one of them is a tall elven woman who's kind of bent over to lean on the rail and the other is a stocky dwarf who is smoking a pipe and they're chatting and one of them the woman seems to be answering a question from the dwarf and says i can't say i have they seem like an odd bunch don't they the crimson legion you've heard the stories right and the dwarf says i have heard the stories who hasn't they say my own grandmother was a prominent member and the elf scoffs and says grandmother come now you were descended from what L- smiths in Carnacus. i i can't see your ancestors being pirates and he laughs and says you'd be surprised she looks off in the distance and says, I had some stories of my past as well. They say an ancestor of mine took place in a, in a earth-shattering battle with pirates. And after a pause, uh, the ship's bell rings, and they both duck in to get lunch. ¶¶ One week out from the maelstrom,
2: I think there's like times where he's like with his brother. I think th- I don't really know if we need like a for sure scene, but like just like there's a there's like maybe a clip of like uh, Azazel like eating with his brother, and he waves to Dorian to come sit with them. Uh, but I imagine like Dorian gets a dirty look from. Oh yeah, little little of like shoots him a glance like don't you dare. And Doria walks off and says, uh, no clue what that was about.
0: I know Dorian would probably be sitting with those uh, kind gentlemen that he spooked a long time ago. They're actually really nice to him afterwards.
3: Oh, yeah. Those... those I forget sailors. their names.
0: I wrote it down and I forgot.
3: <laughs> those sailors who you almost scarred with your uh, the warlock ability you used. So... I think we get a scene with... We we get a few scenes of just life among the ship. Uh, things are going pretty normal. The crew seems to be taking just fine to the Rambler as captain. Uh, but everyone's still kind of mourning the loss of the beast. Slim, you wake up one morning, and you're really hungry. Just can't wait for breakfast. But you eat, and you do not feel satisfied. At the <sighs> end of the day, after three square meals that Cookie claims are you know quality food uh you realize you're going to bed on what feels like an empty stomach
5: well this ain't good uh, uh
3: you go to take a sip from your canteen open it up to see glittering black fluid and then you blink and it's back to water you've given your sample in quotation marks to the rambler after all
5: uh uh okay all right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mention this? Uh, I go fi- I go find the rambler. What's the matter, Slim? Uh, hey. Um, matter if we talk in private, real quick? What's going on, brother? Well, uh, <sighs> hey. I imagine we're in my room, by the way. Yeah. Captain's cabin. Um. Well. Uh. Okay. Let me. Let me just start off by saying. Uh. How. How have you been eating? You feeling good? Those meals good for you? Mm. I'm always a bit hungry, but they've uh, been as good as always. Yeah, I know. It, it, like, I've I've eaten all the meals today. Uh, I managed to sneak a little bit extra as well, but, like, I still feel hungry. And I don't mean, like, I could eat a like, snack. I mean, like, I feel like I haven't eaten anything and also i'm starting to hallucinate a bit so i don't know what that means i don't know what the fuck's going on it's not like i can go see a doctor about this uh so if i start going a bit feral feel free to shoot me and hopefully i won't come to that brother
4: uh let's see if we can get something figured out
5: I'll let you know if I start hungering for the flesh of the innocent. Is there, is there anything you've been craving? Is there anything I've been craving?
3: I think, Slim, you did have a moment where you uh, kind of looked over at the crew member sitting next to you and saw their hand as they were eating dinner, and just imagine the hand, like, disembodied, roasting over a fire. And then you blinked, and again, you're back to normal. But uh, it it was i mean as you can imagine it was a little it was a little disturbing
5: uh yeah well the crew member i was sitting next to seemed a bit uh appetizing and i don't mean app like <laughs> i'd want to fuck them i mean i wanted to eat their hand and not in a sexual way either i mean like <laughs> cut it off roast it, consume it uh so i i'm a little confused conflicted and uh a little little uh terrified so (laughs) well that's
4: uh it's definitely understandable uh i'll look into this a little bit
5: and i'll i'll get back to you yeah uh uh okay i'll i'll let you know if there's any changes Alrighty. uh i think after that like rambler just heads
4: straight to his dinghy and it's just gonna gonna be there for a bit
3: okay rambler you're uh your gun is very warm against your side yep i assumed slim the the next day the hunger kind of subsides and you feel okay again almost to the point where you're like oh maybe i was just imagining it but every once in a while you'll see something like you know a crew member stretching and you're like hmm those ribs sure could go for some ribs right now or you'll you'll see a skyfish dart past and be like you know i could really go some raw fish or sushi
5: mm-hmm, so what you're saying is meat it's what it's feeling like, yeah, I'm assuming like the only uh meat that we might even get on the ship would be like dried jerky,
3: yep, yeah, lots of salt pork uh and it just it just isn't fresh man there's no there's no blood, there's no you know juices, it's all dehydrated, salty
5: while I'm on midnight watch, I think. I'm assuming that there's some way for us to, like, catch fish or go fishing. Or do things like that. And if there isn't, I'd like to try and, uh, make a way to do that.
3: The ship has nets for emergency food supply situations. But fishing in the sky ocean is a little weird because the sky fish don't just swim through the clouds. They swim everywhere. Even above you. Up in the rigging, it is is not unheard of for a, um... For a sailor to be able to reach out and catch a particularly lazy or unwatchful skyfish uh at which point though it would be highly inadvisable to eat it as they take a while to prepare and most of the tendrils are inedible to humans you really got to go for the the meat of the body and there's just not really much there most skyfish are really
5: small unless you're like good thing yeah. i'm not human you want to try to catch and eat a fish yeah, uh during, during the night shift month? Uh, I want, uh, I'd be up in the rings and I'd want to try and catch one while no one's looking.
3: Mm, okay. It's going to be two things. It's going to be survival check to see if you catch the fish,
5: and that's going to be a stealth check to see if anyone notices you just snatching a fish out of the air. Alrighty, let me just look at my modifiers and then roll those dice, because I still don't trust roll 20 I'll do survival first as a 13 plus 2, so 15.
3: Okay, uh, you, it, you know, it's not easy to catch skyfish, but, um, especially way out in the middle of the, the northern sea out here, the, the fish get pretty interested in ships, and will, like, swim around the rigging and around the masts and the like, and you're able to just reach out and grab one that gets a little too close.
5: Hey, would my Natural Explorer, uh, class feature come into play where i get as much food as normal when foraging
3: i'd say for that to work on the ocean you need like proper equipment and to be actually fishing yep
5: all right but yeah now you want me roll stealth yeah there are other people on watch hey As much better that is 19 plus five okay yeah you successfully get a fish without anyone noticing uh what do you do with I quick snap its neck or whatever like quick kill method there is, and then I tuck it into my coat. Yeah,
3: I I think the fastest way to to kill a skyfish is just like grab it by the tendrils and just whack it against the mast once, really sharp, blunt force trauma. You you now have a have a swiftly rotting fish.
5: In your, I, as in like stick it under my coat, as in I mean I eat it through my oh, wait. skin through osmosis. You got it. You're not storing it; you are devouring it. Okay. Uh, but it would yeah. look like I'm just putting it in my coat for later if somebody saw me.
3: Got it. You you consume the fish and at first it's it's really disgusting. I mean, skyfish are pretty disgusting in general, but almost immediately once you once you've consumed the the creature, it takes just that little edge off, but you still feel like you could eat a horse.
5: I keep this in mind, but I I think uh i leave it there time to look for a horse yeah look for that sky horse you think i'm gonna ride a sky horse nah these spurs are for eating that doesn't make sense but continue
3: (laughs) our next scene is a day later with dorian dorian you're you're sitting in your nook reading something what are you what are you reading what book is uh what book is on the menu today
0: Oh god, um, I think for now, um, I think right now he would want, he, he, I think he's rereading the first couple parts of the yellow book.
3: Yeah, you're seeing some things you didn't notice before, written in a language that you know is not English, but you can understand just fine.
0: Does he know it's not English? Or not English, but you know, common?
3: (laughs) Actually, no, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll resend that. I'll say it's like, uh it to you it just looks like normal text like you you just read it and understand it and it's like oh yeah it's uh it's whatever but to the camera it's clearly it's clearly something else and you're you're reading and you hear a light tapping on the the like door to the storage compartment you're in
0: Dorian shuts the book and i think he like tries to hide it underneath some of uh, like his cloak that he had taken off and been using kind of a bit like a blanket in there. And he uh, opens it up.
3: You see a pair of legs, uh, someone standing outside, but on the floor right outside the little nook is some finely spiced porridge. It's been freshly made.
0: He kind of, I think, pokes his head out a bit and looks up. (laughs)
3: Uh, The cook crouches down to eye level, and he's got his own bowl, and he takes a bite, and he says, eat up, it's good.
0: Thanks. Um, he goes in, g- grabs it, and kind of gets in a more relaxed sitting position right next to him and starts eating.
3: Thought you looked like you could use a warm meal.
0: It's been a rough couple of days.
3: New captain's been harsh, huh?
0: Harsh is putting it lightly.
3: I don't know what he's got against you, but we heard the yelling from up top deck. Everything good? Don't need nothing?
0: Nothing I don't think I can handle. Um, I think... It's best we just have her space.
3: Fair enough. I'll leave you to it. And he stands up, though you get the impression he would rather stay and have a seat, but he wants to give you space.
6: He,
0: I think, like, as he stands up, Dorian reaches out and grabs the sleeve.
3: He stops and stares at you.
0: You don't have to go if you don't want to.
3: Mm. After a little bit of a pause, he... Sits down heavily and sit or you know, curls his legs up, cross-legged. Takes another bite and says, "Uh, it's good. Spices up with that uh, that stuff you uh, uh, I found.
0: Oh, you found some spices.
3: Yeah, quality stuff. Some of the things I was missing since the uh, stowaway.
0: So you like them?
3: They're great. Try it.
0: He takes a big old bite.
3: It's very tasty. It is. It is seasoned with cinnamon and cloves and nutmeg and cause i'm not sure i'm not sure you'd use cloves and porridge but it's it's a, a lot of like uh a lot of seasonal seasonal spices that would be put in like a warm meal like this for comfort food
0: literally every spice we have on deck regardless of what it is just shoving oh in. yeah
3: there's just cayenne <laughs> in there and it's wild dude mm, Africa porridge, Delicious. um
0: he lets out a little happy humming noise after the first bite
3: the cook gets a gets a big old smile on his face and then quickly goes back to to eating so uh what you've been reading if you don't mind me asking that is
0: just a couple of books from various genres i've got a few adventure books a well a play and a book for my childhood just anything I get my hands on, though I've got a couple new reads.
3: Huh. play, huh? Never seen one of those. Uh, Thought about it, though. Isn't that for, like, rich folk?
0: Torian shrugs. Can't necessarily say. I've only ever been to my first play recently, um, back at Tor.
4: Uh, how was it?
0: Terrible. I got cut off right before the interesting part was about to start. The director claimed that it was horrible for what they're doing and decided instead of letting the actors figure it out while they're going, you just quit it. And everybody who paid money didn't get to see it in a show.
3: The chef kind of chuckles and says, guess we're not missing out on all that much, huh?
0: I don't know. Why. Well, if a play is well done, I'd imagine it's a very enjoyable experience. I've read many plays before and could only imagine what it seemed what it looks like up on stage.
3: Hmm. Any favorites?
0: Hmm. (sighs) You know what? I don't think I can quite say. Sometimes they just blend together and well, as much as I've read them I would sometimes read them so sparsely in between that I could only pick to get put together the plot instead of starting over every single time.
3: The cook kind of nods thoughtfully as he finishes up his porridge. Uh, sets the bowl down and just sighs and kind of sits there. And then says, well, I should get back to making dinner, but hey, if you got anything, uh, uh, anything that needs saying, um, yeah, just just feel free to ask.
0: I appreciate that. Um Cookie, do you need any help in the kitchen?
3: Uh, he looks a little surprised and shrugs and says, "I I usually manage, it'd be nice to have someone, I don't know, chopping vegetables, getting the soups, right?"
0: I've never really cooked before, but I I'd, I'd love to help. I he stretches out his back like it's getting a little bit crammed hiding in here.
3: He gets a kind of faint smile and says yeah.
0: Yeah, I got a
3: a few things you could help with. Come on out. Help me make dinner.
0: Dorian uh, goes and leaves the cloak on top of his book and climbs out to help with a uh, smile on his face.
3: And that's the end of that scene. You two go about making dinner and uh, Cookie kind of instructing you on which things to do, like how to chop onions this way and that. We pass forward another day. Um, Let's see. Does anyone else have something they'd like to do on the ship before you get to the maelstrom?
2: During that week, I want to work with Adele. I don't know if we need to make a scene out of it unless you want to. Uh, oh,
6: with um, I should. Yeah, yeah, we uh-huh. could do that. I don't think I don't know how much we'll need like a thing for that, but yeah.
4: I think something that I might do uh, is first I want to talk with Lucinia, uh, just about Dorian, <clears throat> and then I also uh, I want to see if Azazel ends up bringing Little Wolf to Rambler or that sort of thing. Like if if they follow up on that conversation they had last session. About me being able to, uh, just teach magic, or at least help channel it in some way.
2: I forgot about that conversation. Um... Uh,
4: and- and lastly, I'm probably gonna make an announcement to the crew, uh, just about- Like, I'm not gonna name any names, but just, like, I've been hearing, uh, some reports of old magic- or new magic on the ship, and I'm gonna say, Hey... I know we're pirates, and uh, like, I'm not, I'm not against being a bad guy, but like, make sure you're doing it smartly, and make sure you're doing it in a way that won't put everyone at risk.
3: All right, let's have, let's have a scene. Well, first, first we get, we get some scenes with uh, Adele and Azazel learning a chetion. So, Azazel, you you may mark your clock forward one. Slowly but surely.
2: Nice. I'm at. Well, I'm slowly but surely. I'm at a. I'm pretty. High up there, actually, I think I'm at um, four of six now.
3: Oh, nice! So you two are making good progress.
2: Because I think I think what you wound up giving me a while back was I started off with one because uh, of my of growing up with my grandparents, if I remember correctly. Gosh, being the captain is rough because you gave me a free point at some point by accident.
4: But being the captain is rough because I can't advance my own research.
3: mm Hmm too busy being in charge of the crew too busy, uh,
4: too busy looking after things making sure a leviathan cultist doesn't usurp me sorry not leviathan cultist a uh a friendly warlock
3: cultist of other things potentially actually who knows uh so speaking of furthering your research rambler uh you're gonna have a meeting with lucinia here yes i'm planning on having a meeting with lucinia uh, where would this be in your uh, in your captain's cabin or in your little boat? Uh, I imagine that
4: this would happen. I'd, I'd imagine I'd approach her.
3: Oh, so maybe in the uh, in the kind of little makeshift chapel that she made in the forecastle.
4: Yeah, I think that would make the most sense.
3: So you you knock on the doorway to enter, and she is praying with a little set of prayer beads with the symbol of the maker. Uh, and some lit candles And she looks up and says Ah, Captain
4: um, How's it uh, how's it moving, sister? I'm wondering if you've uh, Noticed something I have On the ship recently
3: She Raises an eyebrow and says Is it about Slim?
4: Uh, no, not about Slim I uh, have a pretty good grasp on what's going on with him uh, It's actually About Dorian
3: what interest do you have in him?
4: Well, I found some pretty compelling evidence that he's practicing new magic.
3: Her face darkens and she says, come in and have a seat.
4: Alrighty, I come in and have a seat.
3: She pulls a little curtain that is uh, dark blue with uh, little little sparkles on it over the doorway and sits back down and sighs and looks up at you and says, And this bothers you why?
4: I've been on a lot of uh, over the time, and generally new magic is dangerous. I know we're pirates, but still, I'm worried about the way it's used. It's going to put the ship in danger.
3: She nods and says, I'm sure we know better than most how dangerous it can be. And she's kind of like folding up her prayer beads and putting them in a little ornate box. Well... You're afraid Dorian may be misusing it.
4: Um, I can tell he's being. Uh, well, controlled uh, for lack of a lack of a better word by a uh, by another force,
3: perhaps guided.
4: Perhaps, but it's clear that it's got a hold over him.
3: She raises an eyebrow and says, "And you are not in a similar situation."
4: Raveler raises one eyebrow and says. No, I like to think that I'm, well, more in control of what I, the powers I conjure.
3: Knowledge, and the pursuit of it, can be just as compelling a Taskmaster as any entity from beyond. But I understand where you're coming from. I must admit I'm a little nervous too, but... From what I've seen, and I'm sure it hasn't been as much as you, but from what I've seen, Dorian is... not... mindless. Not... a... What would the word be for it back then? Not a thrall. He is toying with dangerous powers, but... And she kind of gives you a faint smile. Who isn't nowadays? I'm sorry, perhaps I should be more serious. You are the captain. After all, this is your crew now, partially. You should be invested in its safety. I'll give you my professional opinion. I do not believe Dorian is any more out of line than you are, Mr. Rambler. However, I also recognize that he is under a lot more danger than you. You have knowledge and experience he doesn't and he's interacting with something we don't comprehend. If what I'm picking up from you is what I think it is, the entity with him has knowledge and motives we don't know yet. They could be sinister, they could be otherworldly, they could be practical. And she shrugs and says, Like the Maker... It's impossible to know whether one of these entities is hostile or beneficial until we've seen it in action, and...
4: The action that I've seen it take, the uh, taps of rituals it was asking Dorian to do involved child's tears and just... Whenever I've experienced this, found this before, it's never ended well
3: child's tears could you describe one of his rituals to me
4: so the way that dorian uh does things is he makes a magical item it's not a one-time use thing that magical item bestows well things similar to old old world spells multiple uses uh he gathered a stick from the highest mountain oh sorry stick from the highest tree in the jungle child's tears are actually picked up from Little Wolf and I'm pretty sure the last ingredient was his own blood noticed a pretty nasty cut on his hand
3: she gives a bit of a grimace at the mention of child's tears from Little Wolf hmm the
4: patron also was able to manifest itself through that spell and talk to me I shot it right away but still she leans Something forward. Something I just can't trust.
3: Oh. Okay, I had to make a little roll there. Uh, Lucinia frowns and says, That sounds remarkably efficient. Hmm.
4: What, you think it'd make and do with it too?
3: No, but to do that takes experience and a great deal of power. I don't know whether that's worrying or reassuring. Whatever Dorian has helping him is knowledgeable, to say the least. And if it manifested itself then... And she kind of gives like a a shocked look and blinks a few times, and then leans forward and says, Rambler, do you think Dorian Dreamsbrook is his real name?
4: Honestly, I'm not sure. I just assume everyone's going under an alias. Why, does the name hold some, uh, have you heard it before?
3: She shakes her head and says, If his otherworldly compatriot knows his real name, then their connection goes deep. Deeper than most. Deeper than perhaps. She pauses and then looks upset and shakes her head, and says, Listen, I don't think you should try to confront him about it. I don't think you should try to... Hmm... Get him to leave this creature. Because doing so would only end in disaster. They're linked, for better or for worse. And if he turns out to be a... If it turns out to be a poor influence then perhaps we can do something about it. But, if Dorian remains Dorian, if he can stay in a mutually beneficial relationship, then as new magic goes, he's practicing it safely. Or as safe as one can. And she gives you a very stern look.
0: I
4: would argue the way I practice it is safer, but... Pullin' hairs.
3: She frowns and says, I think we both know how bad it can get. Keep in mind, Rambler, no one can know everything. No one can be completely free of whisk.
4: And I don't intend to.
3: Well, you don't need lectures from me. God knows. And she gives a faint smile.
4: God? thought you meant maker. God's a god.
3: You know which god I mean.
4: Yeah. I was was thinking of getting the crew together to talk about uh, the use of new magic. I don't really want to uh, push the crew away, but I think it's important that some understandings are set. Think it would do more harm than good?
3: She frowns and says, The crew on board is very religious, but the beast took a very... Uh, there's an Ashetian term. Ashetian term. A laissez-faire approach. I think it means govern yourself. They are suspicious and afraid, but when it does come up, It's often viewed as something not bad, just different. The crew may get uncomfortable if they believe you're going to try to start policing them, or watching them. And they may start pointing fingers if they think someone on board is already doing such things. Those fingers may start aiming at you, Rambler.
4: That's duly noted. Uh, Might just be a more simple meeting then. Well, I appreciate the consultation, Lucinia.
3: Anytime, Rambler. And to be honest, now, to be sure, these are delicate matters that require a light touch and always remember to every once in a while turn your view inward on yourself and make sure you are uh, practicing what you preach, so to speak. And she gives a, a smile.
4: Yep. Yeah. He's just kind of scratching the back of his head. I'll make sure to do that.
3: Uh, Does Rambler address the crew?
4: I, I think after that, he, he decides that it would be a... Uh, it wouldn't be smart. So uh, I think instead he's going to spend some time uh doing some more research into uh the more recent things that he's collected, both the red vial and also uh, the sample that Slim got him.
3: At one point, while you are in your little boat uh you notice that your pistol has an engraving that wasn't there before really go on it's right above the grip and trigger assembly and it's just like it, it goes along the base of the gun and uh, out along the barrel and it says quizen i'm not impressed the longer you wait the further you put you and your crew in danger. Remember, there are things you still do not know, and I need that warden. First
5: of all, damn, that's some small text.
4: I know, that's an engraving, oh, oh my god. It, it's,
5: what's the word?
3: It's, it's like a machine stamp, so it's very, yeah, it's very small. It's the size of like a, a serial number on a gun.
5: Second of all, am I- am I gonna be fucking sold out? Oh my god. Look, man, things are happening.
3: Let's get a scene with Adele. (laughs) And his book.
6: And my- my- my book.
3: So, uh, Adele, we, um, we cut to, uh, it- it now- we- our timestamp now says, uh, two days out from the maelstrom, and we see Adele. Uh, he's in his hammock reading uh, the book with the red rune on the front.
6: This is a very... If if people don't know Adele too well, but if one of his old friends were to have seen Adele in this position, they would have probably thought he was scared. No, pretty much.
3: Read. So, Tori, I think you know roughly the contents of the book uh it is of course it's it's the truth as written by the author who knows a thing or two um so what is adele's reaction as he gets through kind of the first chapter that lays out the basics of what's going on so to speak and gets to the second chapter and sees laid out across both pages a cross-section diagram of a leviathan
6: adele is very because he reads the first chapter and it very it's 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 read as pretty much any history book very much like um like we will start our story uh where I remember. And... 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 and, What's really... uh, I mean, it it sounds as though it's a mix of... uh, stories that he's already heard, at least. Something that he's familiar with before what it was supposedly how, like, people... Like, what some people remember before the dark? The darkness? Is that what it is? Silence, Silence, yes. Silence, thank you. And... um but a lot of it is also um it sounds very fantastical and made up if anything if i mean it reads as a history book but it feels like fiction yeah um and uh after reading the first chapter i mean he's completely hypnotized by what he is by 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 all that he is finding out Um, Like, I want to say after the first chapter, he, I mean, he knew that, um, that, that the old, like the old gods were a thing, but it's so weird to be reading it from the perspective of somebody who knew. Yeah. So that's the biggest part is basically this introduction of what the setting is like. And, and so he's very, he's very hooked at the moment. Um, Strangest part though. There's no author.
3: It's it, is it written from first person or third person? Like it is it? It's re- it's written like a history text, but there's no mention of the uh, the person.
6: There the is author. no mention of the person, but there are hints of personal experiences. Mm-hmm. There are m- like there are like footnotes of like I.
3: Ah yes, like like a a, a footnote marked under something and like I have experienced this phenomenon firsthand. Or something along those lines.
6: Yeah. Or like sometimes, like there will be like a there will be like a footnote that takes half the page, and it's just like of some random experience uh, or memory, and of like clearly somebody who has written this. So right. it's it's very it's it's a history book, but also a little you know autobiographical of sorts in terms of what the I don't know. It's kind of it's got a really big mix.
3: Yeah. So you you may correct me if I'm wrong here, because you, Tori, know know the author just about as well as I and what they'd put in. But I was thinking the second chapter is where things really pop off because it starts with a cross section diagram of a leviathan, this like horrifying giant tentacle space whale creature. But the cross section is all wrong. Instead of internal organs, inside are stone cobblestone passageways street lights and a city.
6: Yeah. So he comes across this and he is he is stuck.
3: The subtitle for the for the drawing is Fig 1B Venegon the devourer of sin.
6: He kind of whispers that under his breath. He goes Venegon. He goes First he goes Venegon Venegon Venegon. Ven- Venagon. And then somehow he just it kinda of just pops in his head. Venagon.
3: And uh he he inspecting the diagram, it is it is the cross section of an organism with a city within it, a river of blood, a strange wide room full of catwalks and metal near the head, if you could call it a head. And you flip to the next page, and it shows a quite nice drawing of a young girl, maybe 10 to 14 years old, with a little saddlebag over her shoulder, just full of papers, and a big smile on her face. And the caption is, uh fig to be uh and then known aliases the devourer of sin she who wails in the dark vena
6: i i haven't really talked about this with you joe but he becomes adele gets i i kind of want this kind of scene for this book because i want this book not to completely give everything right away so mm, yeah how this is going to play out in my head is that adele is getting really excited, because now he's very curious okay. and he wants to know more. And he feels he feels like he 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 start, what he ends up doing is he's like, how much is there? Like, is there so much more? He wants to like go to a random page, starts flipping through the book, and there's nothing. Yeah,
3: okay, I like that.
6: And so it's it it's just basically him like, wait, what? That's it. He's just. Shouting in his like in his like hammock, like frantically going through the book <laughs> and there's nothing there. <laughs> Wonderful. Getting all French Frenchy angry. angry.
3: <laughs> I think that, that's the end. Uh the end of the scene with Adele frustrated just as it was getting weird and interesting.
6: Yeah. So frustrated, like, all of a sudden, like, his stuff starts falling out of his hammock, like, so, like a, like a, like a sword, like, clanks out, and all of a sudden, like, one of the guys next to him is like, hey, dude, shut
3: What the fuck, man? One day to the maelstrom, Slim, you are, you are hungry, and you just woke up this fine morning. After having a strange dream. Oh, boy. What
5: was the dream like?
3: You can only remember bits and pieces, as it mainly is the case with dreams. And it's swiftly fading away, even as you wake up and kind of shake yourself out of the the weird fugue state you woke up in. But you remember
5: blood? I'm also going to be just, like, quickly going over to... Uh, whatever desk or table I have, and just quickly scribbling on some paper I have there, what I can remember. Do you want me to, like, roll for yeah. recollection, or...?
3: Uh... Sure, let's make it interesting. Let's let the dice decide. Make a flat intelligence check. All right, plus zero, here we go. Slim's got a good memory. Okay, 14. Ooh, that's actually pretty good. Okay, so we're, we're gonna reveal a bit. Uh, you remember... First thing you remember is blood voices a dagger being plunged into someone's chest you remember being in a glass jar and the jar filling up with blood and you remember priests of the maker at least you're pretty sure they wore the same outfit as Lucinia does watching you And then, one last tidbit, since you got a 14, one leaned in close, and their robe slipped down, revealing part of their forearm. And you saw an Ouroboros tattoo. A snake devouring its own tail in a similar symbol of the infinity symbol.
5: Okay, um... (laughs) So, point of order, I know that Rambler has a lot of Orboros iconography on him. Have I ever seen a tattoo in the same places on him as on the figure I saw in my dream?
3: Do not believe so. Correct me if I'm wrong, Max, but I don't think you've ever seen a tattoo.
5: I got no tattoo there. Okay. And this felt more... I, I can assume this felt all almost memory like or can i tell the difference between like what was a dream Uh, what was recollection
3: it definitely felt like a dream like some product of your twisted imagination sorry i can't say that i don't know how twisted slim's imagination is but he but you you also know that like dreams often feed off of memories for their material one more thing two more things sorry one thing i completely forgot to mention that i should have mentioned already but the other just to clarify the person who leaned up against the glass of the jar you were in and you saw their tattoo they did not have the same height or stature as the rambler actually maybe they were about the same height but they were like probably slimmer uh didn't look exactly like the same person you also notice your room's messed up stuff's moved around Knocked over. Kind of haphazard.
5: Okay. I go... I double check to make sure, like, my valuables are still around and no one's been rummaging, like, through my stuff.
3: Yeah, they're still there. Most of what's been moved around is stuff by the door, and the door handle is, like, a little slick and slimy.
5: Okay, so I can assume that, like... Can I put two and two together, that? I was most likely like, in a manner of speaking, sleepwalking.
3: Slim's a smart dude. Yeah.
5: All right. Uh. <laughs> <sighs> oh, that's a lot of stuff to take in at once. I'd go and is it like early morning or? Yeah, it's it's like uh first watch. Okay. If if the Rambler's up, I'd go to talk to him. If not, I just. I'm um, Rambler's Rambler's always up. That's not healthy, but alright.
3: Rambler never sleeps.
5: He doesn't like sleeping. Justice never sleeps.
3: Hey.
6: Which is the complete hey. opposite of what I've heard Max is. Cause Max is very good I, at going. I through.
4: very care I care about my sleep very much. This is why Rambler's a hard character for me to play, cause we have different sleep schedules.
5: Yeah, your <laughs> circadian rhythm is so much different that you just can't get in the mindset. That's
3: why I'm such a good DM. My circadian rhythm's all over the goddamn place, and the amount of time <laughs> I sleep <laughs> every night makes no sense. That's so good. I can play every character accurately.
4: Yep,
6: every time every time the rambler stays up, Max winces. Oh, oh. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Sorry, that was uh, the rambler staying up.
3: Wait. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so Slim, you're you're going to the Rambler again? Doctor, yeah. tell me the news.
5: Hey, uh, did you hear anything coming from my room last night? Uh, that was actually out on my ship for most of the night. Why, did something happen? Uh, I just might have been doing a bit of sleepwalking. Sleepwalking? I haven't, I haven't known you to sleepwalk. Me neither, uh, but, uh... Uh, I got a question for you. What, what, what's the significance of your, uh, your snakes? Uh, I I assume we're talking on my dinghy with, uh, with not many
4: people around just for the sake of this. Yeah. Uh, oh, this right here, and he kind of like, uh, he's, he's, he's got a necklace with, with an Ouroboros on it. And he says, just something I picked up a while back, uh, the, uh, guy
5: who ran the crew used it a lot and I, just kind of lacked how it looks. I am going to roll a hard insight check on that. Okay, didn't... Oh, hold on. Nine, and was my insight only two, so eleven. I... The Rambler doesn't sound like he's lying. Alrighty.
3: Yeah, it seems like... Yeah, whatever significance it has is either minor or not something Rambler's really concerned with.
5: Why wow, did it come up last night? Uh... While I was sleeping, I had, uh, some, some dreams. It, uh, I'll, I'll start from the beginning. I, it, it's, it felt at first like just the sensation of smelling iron in in the air, smell of blood, saw a flash of a dagger, then for some reason I was inside of a glass, like jar Container of some sort. I I was looking out, and there were people wearing the same types of clothes as uh, those priestess. Uh, I don't I don't so know if they kind like, Lucinia. Yeah, I don't I don't know if they were rightly priestess of the Maker, though, because uh, they were pouring some blood into into my container. But the last thing I saw before waking up was that one of them came over, looked down at me, but on their arm, they had a tattoo, same as your snake.
4: Rambler's like, mm. he's he's nodding along with what you're saying, and he says, that's,
5: that's really interesting. Now, uh, Joe... Has he ever had any dreams like this before?
3: Uh, Slim, like most people, you don't remember a lot of your dreams. But you remember you have some weird dreams. Okay. Don't have a history of sleepwalking, though. But now that you think about it,
0: yeah, um...
3: Blood, the starry night sky, the sky ocean, they kind of feature... They've featured in your dreams as of late, maybe for the past, like... I don't know less
5: than a year yeah for context also I've only like been in this form I believe for like uh, I think I said like six to nine months at most oh. okay yes that is the amount of time you've been having weird dreams <laughs> um but yeah alright Uh, <sighs> these types of dreams haven't been uncommon per se but they've been getting a bit more intense and uh clear as more time intense. has
4: gone What exactly does that uh, entail?
5: I don't it's hard to describe it's like it's because it feels less like something my imagination came up with and more more and more like I'm remembering something I don't want to Well I'm a
4: uh, I you have to go through this right now Slim that sounds pretty uh, doesn't sound very nice, although those dreams sound important, too. Let me know if you have any more of them, and we can try to figure out what exactly they are. Did you? Was this something from your past? Do you remember ever doing, ever being in a test tube? I thought, uh, the conversations we had before, you told me you just kind of woke up like that.
5: Yeah, no, I, I don't remember anything like this, like, either... Before, when I was actually a person or after. So, if I had to guess, it would be I'm dredging up things that, like, this form remembers that I as a person didn't experience firsthand.
4: Huh. Can you, uh, walk me through what exactly happened again
5: back, uh, when you first became this? Uh, sure. Uh, my memory of that time is still a bit iffy. I was running with my old crew uh, out in the Wilder's uh, wild, Wildlands, and uh, we were just doing our routine thing of just more or less aimlessly wandering around looking for ruins and remnants of uh, pre-silence tech or... Places that haven't been looted yet, just uh, making our way in the world. But we we came across uh, some place that felt different. But yeah, we uh, we're not we we weren't too uh, too much of strangers to a little grave robbing here and there, and we came across a, uh, a mausoleum of sorts that seemed to be more or less untouched, which is rare find for those of us in the profession. But uh, my job was always to be cautious and be the one to scout ahead, look for things. I was never the brains or the brawn of the operation. But uh, while looking around, uh, something I... My curiosity got the best of me, and I looked into a uh, odd jar of sorts that was sitting on a shelf. It had some, some markings on it that I didn't recognize and I thought it would be some sort of buried treasure. but uh, then I don't rec- I don't really reckon what uh, what happened after that. I think, uh...
4: uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead.
5: Next thing I remember is, uh... Well... Other than that, I had a... Had a a gun to my head. Uh... Wait, I... I heard, uh... Heard Big Jim... Say something under his breath that I didn't quite make out as I was picking up that jar and then... That, that was the last thing I remember while I was still, well, flesh and blood. Next thing I remember is waking up on the, on the cold, hard ground. There was, it didn't, it didn't feel right. Like I, I was colder and clammer than normal. And then I looked down to see, well, what, what I am now. And, uh, it took, it took me a bit to, uh come to grips i don't know how long i spent in that crypt but upon my leaving i found that there was a new grave outside uh not even marked just a shallow grave that had been poorly hidden and i dug it up partially from uh curiosity partially from hunger but I found the warden, found his possessions. He had taken two shots right to the chest. Did you Did you see who did it? No, but if I had to guess, it was my old crew, especially from the way that Richie uh, reacted when we ran into him. But I read through his, well, of course, after taking his clothes for myself to cover up feel a bit more normal, I read through his stuff and well, that's how I found out about his whole life, his family about some of the things that have been going on in the world but, uh, that's, uh that's about the end of that I gave him a more proper burial and made my way Sure, I would have appreciated that No, wardens don't really give us much respect but,
4: uh, I think what you did out there was Admiral Slim and I'm I'm hoping we can figure out, and you kind of just like gestures at your uh, at your skeleton bones, and figure out what's going on with you, and get, get you some semblance of normal back.
5: I would very much appreciate that. And then Slim leaves.
3: There's a scene transition, and we get a big title card that says, "One day out from the maelstrom," and the um the ship is you know sailing under clear blue skies the clouds are calm but in the distance we can see a massive thunderhead last call is there are there any more scenes we want before we arrive at the crimson legion
0: i just kind of uh, want to establish like i think over the course of the few days dorian is hanging out in the general area playing the hurdy-gurdy reading etc cetera, etc cetera, and seemingly unbothered by the previous events
2: I got one with my brother. Your bro bro? Be talking to him. Let's see. Let's say it's in their room and they're practicing again. Um I'll just um I'll kind of stop the kind of practice session where I'm just kind of saying, you know, you just you got to stay calm and uh and don't don't overreact if it doesn't work right away. Don't get emotional. Just just concentrate and try to make it appear.
3: We see like sweat beating on Little Wolf's face as he focuses on his hand.
2: If you lose, con- if you get emotional, it's when you kind of, it's when you lose control. So you're gonna have to just, just focus on maintaining control while trying to work up whatever you need to to get it to to work. He squints
3: and kind of grits his teeth and sticks his tongue out, and then with a spark and a flash. Uh, lightning crackles along his fingertips and he gasps and goes nice
2: (laughs) good job uh that's i i uh by the way um azazel noticeably flinches when it starts to spark and and like backs up uh not backs up but like kind of leans back a little bit
3: that's not nearly as cool as some of the stuff lucinia
2: taught me to do was she was she teaching you to control it to make it happen
3: just the basics basics
2: i and i'm like my face hardens when he says that
3: just to make it appear and like a a little bit extra okay 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 watch this and he he kind of like looks around for something and then um says we need a target and he takes a uh he takes like a little hand towel and like dumps some of his canteen on it to make it wet and drapes it over the back of a chair and says this is the coolest shit it it took a a lot of figuring out but uh she showed me that i can do this and he points at the towel and snaps his fingers and thrusts his hand forward and like smacks his wrist with his other hand and you see a flash of light and a little Burst of fire that like drops little sparks as it flies uh impacts into the towel.
2: Whoa, 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 whoa what are you doing? No Wha- Oh, wait, oh be cool. I like duck, by the way. I like, I've like pressed myself back against the wall away from the flame. Come on, it's just like, it's just a little fire. That's like sparks.
3: <sighs> do, do you have. I don't see why you're so freaked out when Lucinia saw it. She's like, oh, you could do better. And then I tried it again, it was better. But, and then he, he sits down next to you and says, I'm sorry. Thank you for the help with the lightning. It's really weird.
2: Yeah. Um, the, the rambler said something about maybe helping you. Um, I don't think his magic is like yours though.
3: Yeah. I think it's different. He's
2: yeah. He says he could teach you how to use yours but i don't think he really understands how yours works as much as he likes to think i think he might or if that i think he might be wanting to study you and your magic more than anything
3: he grimaces and says hmm yeah i guess i kind of feel like i get that feeling from lucinia too i don't think she understands how it works either like, when, you know, I'll practice a little bit and then say I can't do it anymore. She's like, no, do it anyway. And I don't think she really gets how hard it is.
2: I think they both have ulterior motives to to interacting with your magic.
3: Well, at least they're not assholes about it.
2: Anyways, I just thought I'd let you know, because he put that on the table. Um, If you want to make that choice, i Don't know how I feel about it.
3: He shrugs. Maybe I'll ask, maybe not. For now, I don't know. I've enjoyed hanging out with Lucinia. You know, she taught me to shoot the fireballs all right. I don't think she knows anything else, but... And of course, you know, if she ever tried to pull anything, I'd fry her brains out. So you don't gotta worry about me.
2: That's not funny. What? Come on. That's... that's a little too much.
3: I can take care of myself. I got... Weird lightning magic.
2: No one can screw with me now. Okay, but... You shouldn't be so ready to hurt someone. Even if you can.
3: His face darkens, and he says, What if they try to hurt me first?
2: That's different, but... That's... That's... You know, that's... That's defending yourself, but being so ready to hurt someone... Is i feel like it's a dangerous slope but we're
3: surrounded by shady people all the time like you know you obviously think Lucinia's out to get me i mean maybe she's kind of weird sometimes but like take dorian for instance right like if he ever tries to make a move on us kapow and he makes like a little like hand motion and some like sparks flutter through the room and he says i'll blast him before he can do anything
2: i don't think dorian has any ill intent i think he's just a little weird
3: He's definitely harboring, like, a super scary Leviathan monster that wants to eat our
2: souls. 100%. (laughs) I'm not sure that's
6: quite You see the, like, Um, dumb
3: act he plays? Like, oh, I'm just a kid. I don't know what's going on. He's definitely, like, making zombies and and,
2: I don't know, blood magic. You don't think it's possible that he doesn't know what's going on?
3: Well, it's like Auntie said, right? You know, if somebody's doing rituals, they're probably sacrificing livestock, and- 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 I don't know, what- what was
2: it? Eating babies? Auntie also wanted to hand you over to the wardens.
3: Mm. Yeah, but we're different. We don't do all that weird stuff. Wish the wardens could tell the difference.
2: Yeah. I can agree with that. I'm just saying- Don't think I don't think he has any ill intent. I think uh Dorian's just weird. I don't think you have to worry about him trying to hurt you or anything like that.
3: Little Wolf kinda leans on Azazel's shoulder and sighs and says, Maybe you're right, I don't know. I'm just usually I don't know, recently I've just gotten a lot more scared.
2: I want to blame you after, like, everything that went down with, uh, the beast.
3: He kind of curls into himself a little bit and says, yeah, well, we're fine now. If anything happens, leave it to me. And he kind of pats, pats Azel on the shoulder.
0: I just thought it was scene I wanted to do. Hit us up. I'd like to go and have Dorian, if he can find a location to be alone, to attempt to talk to his patron.
3: Hmm. What method are you going to use?
0: Probably mirror, since that seems to be the most direct uh, that he has used in the past. I don't think he can easily just fall asleep or something like that.
3: Uh, okay. So, maybe you go to... Maybe you're you're working with the chef in the kitchen, and uh, once dinner's ready, you know Dorian just asks him if he can be alone for a bit, and uh, Cookie's like, "Sure," and leaves.
0: Hey, okay, uh, Dorian, double checking to make sure nobody is around. I think takes out the uh, hand mirror and asks, "Are you there?"
3: It takes a moment, but then your reflection smiles.
0: I, I have to ask, why do you keep interfering? The, I know you had something to do with Little Wolf and now Rambler with the Unseen Servant. Do you want me to get in trouble?
3: Your reflection gives a shrug like, why not? And then a voice emanates from your mirror saying, There's no fun without a little trouble. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Trouble's all well and good, but I could have gotten killed.
1: Don't be ridiculous. I wouldn't let you die.
0: I certainly hope not, but that Rambler especially, and with Slim acting as backup, they were prepared for a fight. They shot at you.
3: The figure kind of like... Dusts off their clothes and says, A few bullets won't hurt me. Besides, funny enough, I was actually trying
1: to help your captain.
0: I don't think he can... ascertain which... ...for lack of a better word, otherworldly being... ...is good or bad. Thinks of things a little bit too black and white.
1: Good or bad? What antiquated terms... Really, I'm just an interested party, and right now, the well-being of you and your ship are my priority, and if the Rambler can't see that, then that's his problem. And oh boy, does he have quite a few problems. I found it so funny that he was concerned for you. When really he should be much more concerned for himself and his compatriot.
0: What do you know? I mean, all I know is that Slim is some sort of star spawn. That is what he is, and Rambler knows magic, performs experiments. That's all I know. It appears
1: to me, and of course I can't say too much, but I think Rambler has gotten involved with someone most unfortunate.
0: Someone like you or something else?
1: Not like me per se, but... I can't say I believe it will work out too well for him in the long run. And I tried to help, I did, I offered him. Something, but he was so quick to refuse, I suppose it is all for naught.
0: I wonder if I should help or stay distanced like he seemed to have wanted, like many seem to have wanted.
1: Perhaps when the time comes, you may offer your support and he may realize we're not so bad after all.
0: Do you think he craves power? Knowledge?
1: Oh, I am... I am certain of it. But he also fears
0: it. Oh, great. Well, I think the best bet is... Keep a closer eye on my books and make sure he doesn't go snooping. If his confrontational nature is anything to go by, he might want to demand something to forcefully learn about myself, and I do not want that. Um, just, Your Highness, please, just try not to get me into too much trouble. I can only handle so much before everything starts to come crashing down, and I fear that the foundation is already crumbling. Of
1: course, Dorian. I'll leave you to watch, listen, bide your time. But I will always be here. Don't worry.
0: I trust you will. He uh, kind of glances at the mirror a few more seconds longer, and if the mirror no longer moves, he's going to, like, if it shifts back to his reflection, he'll put it away and head off to dinner.
3: It shifts back to your reflection.
2: Hi, hello, and welcome back to Tempting Fate, a Dungeons & Dragons 5e podcast. I'm your imaginary friend, Jordan Page, and with me as always are my friends, Joseph the dum dum Mister, Leanne playing Dorian, Tori playing Adele, Max Landy playing the Rambler, and Elliot Waters playing Slim. It's been a while as I got quite busy at my job and have recently moved and I'm still working on getting my recordio area set up. I hope to get things back on a semi-regular basis starting with this episode. Thank you for tuning in, we appreciate the support, and if you are enjoying yourself, please consider leaving a review in your podcast listening service of choice. For updates and other information about the podcast, you can follow us over on Twitter at Pod. and as always, the atmospheric audio for this podcast comes from TabletopAudio.com and Storyblocks. Thank you once again for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode.
3: The next day, you arrive at the Maelstrom, a whirling cyclone of immense proportions when you arrive it looks like a wall of swiftly moving mist it isn't exactly rain it's more like cloud stuff that is constantly churning and whirling and the sister your navigator just directs you to sail straight through it and as you do the ship lists and rocks with the winds and currents The crew have to kind of shield their eyes as you pass through the rolling clouds, and then you're through, and you see the Crimson Legion in all of its glory. A massive fleet of ships adorned with red sails flying red flags moves along at the pace of a smaller... Uh, kind of lead fleet of big ships that are chained to a massive island, a huge floating rock form upon which are houses and, uh, a, a, a large hill. It's kind of mountainous. And at the very top, a lighthouse, which infrequently is struck by lightning from the coiling and writhing maelstrom above the lighthouse stands atop a tall hill surrounded by gravestones and among the enormous ships that pull this island using giant chains is the flagship of the crimson legion it's called the quirag Twida, which is elvish for the crimson tide the uh, party approaches earlier that day the ship's own livery the sails had uh, been taken down and switched to scarlet to match the rest of the crimson legion and you move forward to dock with the main island upon which are clusters of buildings that serve as meeting places for the legion the crew move forward and dock with independence which is a bit of a shifty process that requires some time to uh get everything lined up and the ship moving along correctly with with the rest of the fleet um when you arrive you are greeted by a by someone who looks kind of like a servant uh he's there to like offload some cargo and and uh greet the captain and when you all step off, op- step off the ship, he walks up and says, Hmm, may I inquire where the beast is?
4: The beast didn't make it out of Port Rao, uh. Sloan ended up doing him in while we were uh While we were having a heist on her. <sighs> yeah.
3: Are you acting as standing captain, Mr.
4: Uh they call me the rambler. And yes.
3: I see. Who's your acting first mate?
4: Uh Rambler gestures at Slim and says Slim. Slim. No, uh, Slim is the first mate. Oh mm-hmm. wait, shit. It was it was, yeah, it's um, a was
6: a Excuse you. Slim
4: is the Sorry, Slim is the one who's coming with me for the captain <laughs> talk. Wait. Adele was the, Adele was the first mate.
3: So you you gesture to Adele. Yep, I gesture to Adele.
6: Adele, uh, beaming like 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 a ha- like a, like a handsome beam, just uh, lifts the chin and just extends the sides of his chi- like mouth towards towards his ears. There you go, that kind of beam, and he goes, "It is good to meet you. I am uh, the Rambler too."
3: The attendant at the docks gives you a blank stare, and says. A pleasure to make your acquaintance, sirs. And bows. And then. Ins- Rambler R- looks at Azazel like, what the fuck?
6: And then Adele. Azazel pats- or Adele? Azazel. Pats- so
4: looks, looks at Adele. They're like, what the fuck?
6: Adele pats the Rambler's back. He goes, don't worry. I got your back.
3: Clearly. The attendant says, I will inform the council of this unfortunate development. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. Are you willing to take a temporary seat on the council in the Beast's place as a member of his crew?
4: Whatever needs to happen.
3: We'll see to it. And he bows and says, your cargo will be offloaded. That building there is the guest house. You may stay in any room you wish, just clear it with the front desk. We don't really mind how you conduct yourselves but be warned if you attempt to swindle or attack or otherwise mess with the other captains or their crews you will be subject to punishment this is neutral ground
4: we wouldn't dream of it thank you for the uh hospitality
3: of course any member of the crimson legion is welcome here enjoy your time and i hope we may get better acquainted in the future the crew is led uh, further onto the island of independence it is a it is an interesting place almost everyone here has that like rough and tumble outlaw look about them but no one is as like rowdy or aggressive as you'd expect them to be People here are conducting themselves rather well, rather businesslike, making introductions, chatting among themselves. It looks like members of crews are sticking together. Like when you see people, they're usually dressed in a similar fashion and hanging around one another. And it's pretty easy to identify like who belongs to what ship. You are all taken to the guest house, which is a barracks of sorts which is complete organized chaos like there are people hanging out in the main building there's a front desk but it doesn't really seem like a like the desk of an inn or a hotel it's just kind of you go up and say hey i'm gonna be in this room and they like write it down and give you a key and say go for it and uh yeah things things here seem pretty fast and loose but everyone seems to have a like mutual respect to not like draw a gun or do anything of the sort even though almost everyone you see is armed the place is bustling and interesting and pretty much everyone you see looks like they have their own story here of course independence is incredibly busy because it is almost time for a meeting of the crimson court which is rare and monumentous. No. That's probably the wrong term. Rare, but important. What does the party do?
4: I think I ask Slim, you said you wanted to do a upgrade your firepower, right? Pretty sure they have a gunsmith around these parts.
5: Alright, I'd be good to look into that.
4: So, um, I think Slim and I are gonna to try to find the gunsmith. Cool. Yeah,
3: Baruski. Uh, is anyone going to join them?
0: Uh, I think Doran instead will want to do some sightseeing and just check out maybe even some niche stores that might exist or just kind of get a feel for how everything looks. He's very curious. He's never seen something like this before.
2: I only have like four gold. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go looking for clothing because I think I'm still wearing the getup of the servants from uh from oh, wow. that manor we were at. <laughs> yeah,
6: I want to go Because I don't close, have a lot of clothes. Shelby.
2: So I'm going to go looking for... Her- Somewhere where I can buy a new change of clothing. Uh, okay. So, um... I might leave, actually, I might leave Little Wolf with Lucinia, with the idea, like, just, uh, uh, just keep him away from whatever... I don't know what goes on here, but I can't imagine everything is, uh, of high morals. Um, could you just keep him away from anything that's gonna... Get him hurt. Certainly. Keep him on the ship if you can, but I don't know what you have planned. I was
3: going to meet some friends, uh, the reputable sort, and perhaps you can come along.
2: Uh, you know what? I I've changed my mind. I'm. I think he needs a new pair of clothing, anyways, or new new pairs of clothes, anyways. She shrugs and says, "Suit yourself." That might sound awful, but like I just uh, suddenly I hate. I I really don't trust her. <laughs> also. God, right now I just realized that I forgot to ask Lucinia about the
4: gun that she had, because I know about it. So hopefully uh, hopefully that'll come up.
3: Mm. Okay, so let's go to Slim and the Rambler for now. You're going to buy some guns.
4: First off, Joe, is my gun warm?
3: Uh... No, it hasn't been warm for a bit. What time of the day is it? Sometimes when you walk near Slim, it gets warm. Sometimes when you're it's hard to tell it's it's been getting hot and cold at different times now it doesn't seem to be following a pattern anymore
4: yep got it it's hot and it's cold it's yes and it's no it's in and it's out
3: it's yes exactly you head to the gunsmith so there's a marketplace here that basically sells everything you could ever want reputable things and very non-reputable reputable things and you arrive at a gunsmith who is selling some of the most interesting and advanced weapons you've ever seen you see exotic like bolt action cartridge fed or breech loaded rifles you see a lever action that's like kind of like on a pedestal like a showpiece you see double barrels you see revolvers you see paper cartridge revolvers old older guns you see flintlocks you see muskets you see carbines they've got everything and the gunsmith who is a who is a red-haired woman with freckles and her sleeves rolled up to her elbows and trousers and suspenders with an eye patch is talking animatedly to another woman in a long cowboy duster and cowboy hat, and they appear to be discussing a huge revolver that the woman is holding in her hands. Which woman? There's two of them. Uh, the one in the duster and cowboy hat.
4: Cool. Do do we recognize the woman in the duster and cowboy hat as another, uh, another pirate captain that we could have signed on with?
3: You definitely do. It is Richter, the captain of the vessel Hell or High Water. Okay,
4: well, I think the initial, uh, Reaction of the rambling. He walks in. Is, is, is he just as a?
3: Some, these are just works of art. Uh, Richter turns and says, "Ain't that the truth?" Oh hell, it's you. And the the gunsmith says, oh, "I appreciate the flattery. You want to buy anything?" Just browsing for now. And he he gestures to
4: the uh to the large uh large hand cannon that they're uh, that they're talking about and he says any story behind that one
3: the gunsmith looks at uh richter who says hell of a story and takes it and kind of like twirls it and catches it this this gun is large and intimidating it is a Colt dragoon which is it's also known as a horse pistol because it's so big it's meant to be carried on a horse holster and used on horseback And it's all, it's all, like, sleek gunmetal gray, bulky angles, and it's, like, very big and, like, clacky, like, it makes noises when you wave it around, and just cocking the hammer back is, like, a loud enough sound to fill a room. And she, she, like, opens the cylinder, showing that it's empty, and says, This thing, this thing can cut a man in half at a hundred yards. Which seems like an exaggeration, but she smiles and says you're the beast's new crew right
4: yeah uh about that absolutely. we're uh well guess you can call us the command crew now i'm the uh new acting captain beast didn't uh well he didn't make it out of our uh
3: our last job she frowns and says that old dog bit the dust hell and the gunsmith shakes her head and says i'll be damned and Richter says, well, will you be sitting in on the council then as a member of his crew?
4: Yeah, yeah, we, we actually will be.
3: Hmm, bet you'll be needing some introductions. And uh, I doubt many of the captains here would give you the time of day. By the way, I they call me the judge. I am a member of the council myself. It's a pleasure. And she holds her hand out for a shake. Rambler. And I uh, take the hand. Uh, it's a firm handshake. And she says, uh, so you in the market for a firearm?
4: Um, I'm good with this. And I kind of I pat the uh, hand cannon on my in my
5: sash. But uh, gesture at slim. I'm the one who's uh, currently in the market.
3: Oh, looking for a reliable gun to tote. Sure would make me
5: uh, sleep better at night. She smiles and says, what's with the worn outfit? Oh, you know. Else we get into places I normally shouldn't.
3: I like it. Uh wardens are usually known for toting some of the best guns in the business. I'm surprised you don't already have one. Mr. Rambler, that firearm there. Breech loaded? What is that a six round removable cylinder? That's that's quite the gun. I don't think I remember you having it back when we last met.
4: Yeah, I ended up uh picking it up in the jungle. Met with an old friend.
3: Must have some mighty fine friends. Well, if you need any help picking something out, I'd be happy. And she, uh, pulls out a cigarette. Me and the gunsmith here, we go way back. I know what's her best and what's her worst. And she looks over at some of the some of the weapons and the gunsmith, like, makes a face and says, Come on, don't give away my secrets.
5: Yeah. Well, that'd be mildly obliged. Currently, all I got is, uh... This old flintlock and carbine that I was able to pick up on travel. Unfortunately, the uh, outfit didn't come with the uh, the more well-known firearm. So it's pity. the The gunsmith asks for the flintlock the, so she can
3: so she can ins- inspect it.
5: Yep. Yeah, I just hand it over to her, holding it by the barrel so she can pick it up. Out.
3: She takes it. Gives it a look and says, oh, fine construction, probably post-silence, mid-silence, older, still a fine firearm. Wouldn't do you much good if you want to fire more than one shot, though. And she, like, squints and looks down the barrel and says, or not, sorry, not looks down the barrel, aims <laughs> I was about the weapon.
4: Looks down the barrel and pulls the trigger. Uh,
3: looks down where the sights would be if it had sights and she says no sighting yeah just a point and click i can see why you'd want an upgrade
5: so tell me what do you what do you think would be a good fit for someone in my getup well
3: depends on your budget and she goes back and pulls from like a a hanging holster a uh revolver style pistol that looks a, a little similar to what the judge has but certainly smaller and she kind of twirls it, opens the cylinder, shows that it's unloaded, and sets it on the table and says, You can pick it up and check it out if you want, but if you try to run with it, well,
5: you know the drill. I sure do. Cut clean in half from a hundred yards. The judge gives you a wide grin and a sixth cigarette in her mouth. The
3: gunsmith leans forward and says, This one, I'm expecting you ain't a well-known pirate yet, you probably don't have unlimited funds, so this is a paper cartridge uh, front loader. You gotta use the charging handle here. Uh, And she shows, like, a little handle that comes down off the front of the barrel. It's a little clumsy. You kinda have to reload it individually, but six shots is better than one. And it certainly packs a punch.
5: Okay. I also uh, just wanna double-check how much gold we're supposed to have. Uh, Because I don't remember how much we divvied up for, uh, when we took over the ship. I, I want, I had, I currently have 21 gold and four silver. What? Uh, You got,
3: like, 15 gold from divvying up the, uh, the ship. Okay. Yeah, um, you, you started out with, like, 5 GP, right? Yeah, something like that. Okay, yeah, I, I think, I think a little over 20 sounds about right. Alrighty. Uh, so... I can't tell you the price yet because I gotta look through some documents, which will just be a sec, but uh. It costs two. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a bit. Okay. Hmm. She. She gestures to the weapon she has and says, This one is. Pretty nice, it's sighted, and even has a rifled barrel and fires conical bullets, so it's going to set you back about 300 gold pieces.
5: Well, how much would I get for trading in this here uh, flintlock and my carbine I got in my bag?
3: Throwing a carbine as well? You could probably settle the price all the way down to... She kind of scratches her head doing some mental math. Uh, 150? cut it in half and giving you a bit of a discount because you're friends with richter here and uh the judge smiles and you notice her cigarette is lit but you never saw her do it
4: oh my gosh it's magic uh and if i throw in another wheeler in a carbon
5: i could probably bring it all the way down to 100 gp It's a lot of trade-ins or oh, sad i also would probably prefer to deal more in gold however even even with that generous price, I currently don't have that much on me, so I'm afraid I'll have to save it for another day. The judge says, now hold on a minute, you
3: don't have 100 GP?
5: I assume you're on tough times? Only got 21 and 4 silver to my name right now. Hell, haven't been doing much pirating, have you? Nah, we've mostly been on the run from uh, Sloan. Well, I hate to see it, but that makes sense.
3: Say, I could probably cut you a deal. I mean, out here on Independence, we don't just deal in gold, we deal in favors.
5: Hmm, sounds like an easy way to get in debt, but I'm listening. She chuckles and says, you're
3: telling me. But hey, simple thing or two, especially if the payments up front can make for an easy purchase. I'd be willing to waive the hundred
5: gold if you did me a solid. And what would the solid entail, or would it just be some sort of favor in the future? I'd be something up front. I like to make my deals
3: clear and honest.
5: I can appreciate that. It's
3: twofold. There's someone who's been a bit of a thorn in my side recently. He's, uh, well, he's a bit of a... Lone shark he's trying to get back some money i owe and let's just say he's not going about it the right way
5: i would like him taken care of and
3: i can tell you how to do it without getting in no trouble either
5: you just gotta have somebody other than yourself do it is that it
3: exactly now he ain't no friend of the crimson legion i'm sure they can easily wave there no attacks on independence property for this fellow he hasn't he doesn't have many friends over here if you get my meaning and if he was to buzz off he doesn't have to die just disappear leave get off my back well you'd have a powerful ally and a shiny new pistol for of charge
5: well what's his
3: name she uh pulls out a little note unrolls it and says sir william ornston came on the ship of one the fortune quite a big deal name around here he's the son of the charter which is our fearless leader and she says this with a big like sarcastic smirk but the fortune doesn't hold any favors with him he just brought him along to pay his own debt So he doesn't have any friends about, and if you catch him alone, scare him off, bullet in the head, doesn't matter how you do it, but get rid of him, and I'd be happy to pay off this pistol for you. And she hands you this piece of paper, and it has... It actually has a uh, wanted... It's a wanted poster. It is not in the same style as your guys' wanted posters, the posters of the island of Tor. It is from some different organization entirely but it says uh wanted for embezzling funds lying cheating impersonation a whole list of basically con artistry there is no listed bounty
5: well i do believe you have yourself a deal judge
3: much obliged
5: mind if i get in on this at all
3: yeah rambler i actually have something different i think i'd like you to do for me and that is In exchange, well, you'd have me as a powerful ally and you'd have the information I possess. I'm sure there's something I can do for you as well. And she takes a puff of her cigarette. She says, we should talk someplace else more private. The gunsmith rolls her eyes and says, you and your deals, Richter. And the judge says, follow along. And she waves goodbye to the gunsmith and kind of moves you down like a side passage. Alrighty she leans against the wall the spurs on her boots clacking um and puts her cigarette out and says here's the deal i know you haven't been to a council like this before but what we can talk about openly while we're in a meeting is a little limited but what you can hear what you can gather is quite expansive Rambler, I know why the beast hired you. You had a certain affinity for... She kind of waves her hands. The otherworldly. You wanted to make sure you knew when something mystical was going on. Well, I think something mystical is going on. In what way? I didn't tell you this, but the Legion is meeting today to iron out some concerns over a new type of treasure that's been recently found round about these parts up on the frontier there's been this uh these artifacts that have been showing up that are gathering a lot of attention and a bit of a reputation and we here at the council have decided to gather and discuss it amongst ourselves as qualified and experienced captains and she raises an eyebrow and says i'm not sure they'll give you much of a voice but you can listen and i'm sure you know things
4: oh i intend to listen let me guess these things are uh, tied to freak storms i've been seeing quite a few of them up here recently
3: richter gives a wide smile and says i've heard that too if you can come to me with what you gather, what you found out, anything you can listen in from the other conversations, anything your crew is thinking, your own deductions on the nature of these artifacts and bring it to me and me alone, I will reward you handsomely. And you'll have a powerful friend. I didn't get on the council for nothing. The judge is a big name around these parts. Debts or no.
4: I'd assume you also uh, entail the jury an executioner, too. Especially carrying something like that, just, just to the,
3: uh... The huge cult dragoon. She smiles again and says, You should meet my first mate.
4: I would love to. Uh, here's something that I'm wondering about, though. I might have gotten, a. Uh, and he gestures to a, to his own gun. <clears throat> this gift I got might not have been a uh, well, it wasn't no strings attached. It's actually uh, got quite a big inconvenience of I can't ever let it part with my person. I'm wondering if you have any uh, knowledge know how either you or the gunsmith uh, any idea how someone could get rid of that downside.
3: Would you mind letting me giving it give it a look?
4: Be my guest. She walks forward and do you draw it? Uh, yeah, I I draw it and then I like turn it like I I spin it around so that is so that she can grab the uh, handle.
3: She gingerly touches it and then tries to very gently pull it out of your hand, and it doesn't it doesn't budge. It just kind of hangs in the air, and she lets go and says, "I see, I see." Devious. Can you uh turn around so I can get a better look?
4: Me turn around with the gun.
3: She gestures to the firearm.
4: Yeah, just uh flip it around in my hand.
3: She kind of inspects it from different angles, careful of where the barrel is pointing at all times. And um, you also notice the rambler. The first off, gun's not hot at the current moment. Yep, I I I'm going I'm going off the assumption right now that you'll
4: tell me if it ever gets hot. So, unless you say it's hot, I'm assuming it's not.
3: Cool. And the engraving that was on it is gone. Cool. So she gives a few looks and frowns and says, Now that is concerning. Look.
4: Give it to me, straight, Doc. Am I gonna live?
3: (laughs) We're taking part in a bit of a deal here, a bit of a transaction, so I'm gonna want your information when I give you mine. But, because I'm a concerned party and... I care about the beast. I don't want his crew to fall into trouble while he's gone. I'll definitely give this tidbit up for free. That gun was forged by a warden. It has their marks all over it. Well, now. The fact that it bears marks of, and she kind of wiggles her eyebrows, a certain mysterious nature tells a different story. quite worrying one. I might be able to tell you who forged this weapon because I will gladly say it is one of a kind. But I need your info first.
4: What do you want to know?
3: As I said, pick up what you can from the council meeting today and come back to me. And keep it between us.
4: Anything in particular I'm looking for?
3: the nature of these artifacts, what they could be used for, and why everyone's so interested.
4: I think I can manage that.
3: I'll be thinking about how to relieve you of your burden, so to speak.
4: And I appreciate that. I'm excited to see what we can do for each other, and I hope that this is the beginning of a long and prosperous
3: relationship. She grins again and pulls out another cigarette and says, I'm sure it will be. Catch y'all on the flip side. And she turns and walks away.
4: See you around, sister.
3: Do y'all go with, uh... Do y'all go back to the gunsmith or head back to your rooms?
4: I'm gonna see if Slim wants to go after that dude right away or if that's something that
5: we're, uh... Yeah, can i just assume that i also got a few like tips of where he might be cuz i assumed i wasn't there for the meeting in the alleyway
3: oh shoot uh i actually kind of assumed you were there for the meeting in the alleyway
5: but that's fine i can be like hey hey judge can you tell me where to go <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> and and that's part of the problem. You're gonna have to ask around for him and find out where on independence he is. He's somewhere on here. He came with the fortune. And he's off his ship. The fortune wouldn't let that scumbag too close for him for too long. But if I started asking around for him, people would get mighty suspicious. So what,
4: does it just have some people that come and uh, ask to collect? Hard muscle?
3: Pose someone who's looking to default on a debt or has a question about the, the balance of things and i'm sure you'll be able to be directed to him pretty easily if you play your cards real well maybe even get a private meeting of course it all depends on him not recognizing you because he usually keeps a pretty good book of who owes what but you could Perhaps say you're a representative of the beast. If the beast had any debts. I can't actually rightly say I know if he did.
4: Joe, do, do, do we know if he did or not? Was there a uh was there a book with a list of that in the uh captain's quarters?
3: Uh I'm gonna say not that you could find. So you'll you'll either have to do some more investigating, some more asking around, or just wing it.
5: We could also say that we need to get his uh, debts and affairs in order and we found some stuff that may or may not have uh, meant that he had debts or like we're just double checking with the debt collectors double checking their paperwork results
3: certainly Willem Ornston would definitely be the person to ask Okay, so, we cut to Azazel, Dorian, and Little Wolf. Actually, Adele, would you like to join? They're going clothes shopping.
6: Yeah.
0: I mean, I think Dorian would run into them rather than join them.
3: Yeah. Okay, so Little Wolf is happily chatting with Adele about how cool it is that he's now first mate. And And,
6: uh, Adele, I was going to say, Adele is like, I know.
3: And your name, uh, Rambler 2, does that mean something in Ashetian?
6: Adele laughs and goes, oh, um, completely. In fact, it is, um, um, considered one of the most, um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: Sorry.
6: Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the most prestigious of titles, which is why I, uh, I claimed it because I knew that it would, uh, Really reflects on my character.
3: L- Little Wolf is super hyped and enthralled, and also Little Wolf is like he's like a kid in a candy store. Like everyone here is super cool, has a bunch of scars, has a bunch of guns. Uh, Azazel, uh, it's enough to make an older brother sweat profusely. E- everyone here looks like trouble.
2: That's that's one of the reasons why I'm not really joining the conversation because I'm not listening. I'm kind of looking around protectively, trying to make sure nobody's like a threat
3: the uh suddenly little wolf like kind of dashes over and goes oh my gosh oh my gosh look at that and uh runs over to a trinket shop i will follow we see we see two people at the trinket shop one the the shopkeeper who is in a full cloak that mostly hides their face but every once in a while twitches and spasms uncontrollably and you see um, a man wearing a boy wearing loose clothing and a hat With twigs on it that look like antlers, Dorian's there buying trinkets. And Little Wolf points at some hanging charms. They look like bone charms. They're like made of broken bits of large long bones that are tied together with leather cord. And have a larger flatter bone piece in the center with a mysterious symbol and runes etched into it. That look eldritch in nature, and he says, "Ooh, ooh, ooh! These look so cool." And Dorian, you're just, you're just looking for some nice medicinal crystals. And uh, Little Wolf runs up to you, and the shopkeeper unnaturally swiftly turns his head and says, "Ah, are you interested in the bone charms?"
0: That catches Dorian's interest immediately, and he like whips his head around. <laughs>
3: They are carved from the bones of ancient horrors known as leviathans and hold secret powers, the likes of which are beyond your wildest imagination.
2: What does this one do?
3: Ah, this one protects a man's vigor. He pulls it down and hands it to you and says, feel it the power do i feel anything you pick it up it feels like bone it's a little disturbing the fact that he just said it's a leviathan bone just makes it like 10 times more disturbing
0: are there multiple copies of them or is it just the one
3: uh there are a bunch of different unique ones all hanging
0: i'd like to scan the shelves to see if there's one that i recognized from the uh vision that my patron showed
3: you spot a small one hanging from this guy's shop is like a stand it's not an actual building and hanging from like one of the rafter like parts behind the shopkeep is actually a it doesn't look like the big bones of the leviathan charms but a small cluster of bones and twigs tied together with twine with blood on it and you recognize that from a dream But the the man is indicating another Leviathan charm and takes it down and says, This may interest you, young man. It protects against infectious disease.
0: He waves it off and says, What about that one? And points to the one over uh, in the back.
3: He turns and twitches and says, Ah, that one is a personal charm of mine. I keep it to make sure no little thieves take my possessions
0: he gives a small mischievous grin and asks small thieves as in children or something smaller
3: Mm, something smaller and he squints at you and looks you up and down one of his eyes is lazy and is looking in the wrong direction but um he they they glint with some unknown intelligence and he says I think you know the ones. You look a little like them.
0: He raises a brow and asks, how much for it, or is there any other charms you can give like it?
3: I could easily make a copy for the price of one finger.
0: <laughs> he has this shocked look on his face, and he's looking, I think he
2: glances at the others.
3: Oh, it doesn't have to be yours, and he smiles widely with crooked teeth.
2: Uh, at that, at that, though, like, I start ushering Little Wolf out of the shop. Ooh, I, I, I want to see the other charms. Nope. What, what does that nope. one
3: do? That one protects against nope. fire.
2: What, what does that one
3: do? That one will keep you from drowning for 30 extra nope.
6: seconds. Nope, nope, nope.
3: <laughs> he deals the <my> fingers. <laughs> you pull him away.
6: Um,
3: Well, if does you it have to, to be a figure? A Please. If you wanted to pay gold for it, I'm sure I could part with it. I can easily make a new one how much Mm, he squints at you and then gives a thin smile and says 15 gold pieces
0: please okay um i don't have 15 gold
3: dorian you want to make a you want to make an intelligence check real quick
0: sure i will use my handy dandy shoe box as a (laughs) oh i can test out my new dice hopefully it's not gonna fuck me over Kind of fucked me over, but we'll see. It didn't roll. It just landed. I, straight intelligence? Yeah. It's A9.
3: Okay, yeah. You don't know, this charm he's trying to sell you, or this charm you're asking for appears to be one of a kind, and he has to finger for it, so uh, you assume it's valuable. He might actually be giving you a a bit of a discount.
0: But he also said he he could easily make it
3: yes he said he could replace it he he gives you this like thin-lipped smile again and leans forward to kind of look both ways to make sure no one else is looking and there are plenty of people around but everyone's like kind of caught up in their own business and says i like the flower on your lapel and the withered old shopkeeper the withered old shopkeeper says the day lily Short-lived, but yours appears to be ever-blooming. I assume you've made some interesting friends on your travels?
0: Dorian has a poker face going on.
3: Oh, you can tell me.
0: What about the flower?
3: It matters not. I was thinking of my little friends and how much they'd probably like to meet one such as you. But if you insist... I can part with this trinket for 15 gold pieces, or some other payment.
0: He whispers, "They'll lead to the shopkeeper. I don't know if Adele's still around, by the way, because I remember you mentioned,
6: did was Adele tagging along oh, yeah, with azel
3: Is Adele chilling?
6: You know what, why not? I think he is, I think he came, so...
3: I was wondering if he's if he's going along with Azazel and Little Wolf who have gone to, I assume, go look at actual clothes now yeah. instead of weird trinkets.
2: Yeah.
6: Actually, he might go with them if they're going to go look at clothes. Okay, cool.
3: So it's, it's just you and this weird shopkeeper.
6: He still speaks
0: slowly and says, You're friends with them.
6: As much as
3: one can be. You know I still have to protect myself. The ones that live here are especially precocious. Dangerous? Eh, as much as... As much as anyone would be. mm This is not... Mm. Continue. This is not an old place, you see. They are young. The ones here. They learn things by watching us, you know.
0: Can I use a perception check?
3: Uh, what are you looking for?
0: I want to see if I can spot any indication of the little ones lurking. Yeah, roll it up. Or at least get a sense I'm being watched. This one, it was caught. I have three roll. Eh, it's not terrible. Uh, I rolled a ten.
3: You don't see signs of them, but you see signs of his knowledge of them, like a little bowl and some bread left out behind the counter, certain flowers blooming in the shop. Um... Certain herbs hanging from the ceiling of the stand.
0: I think... Well, let me just at least hear out the uh, alternative payment you were suggesting, and maybe I'll come back at a later day.
3: Mm, Certainly. And of course, they are everywhere, within reason. I I would dare say they shouldn't be here. This is a man-made island, after all, but someone brought them along, and here they are. So... This other payment. I am interested in certain things, certain trinkets, certain bits and bobs. You would be surprised what you can do with a few things, but I have garnered the attention of one particular captain. You see, he doesn't like us. You know, those interested in trinkets, those interested in little thieves and what they are up to. He thinks we're all demons, scoundrels, he doesn't understand. He is also unfortunately a member of the council. They call him... The Divine. He is a religious fanatic and has decided he doesn't like the existence of my shop and others like it upon independence. But that is what this marketplace is for, a place where you can sell things... You wouldn't any other way I need to send a message to him but I can't quite do it myself you see I'm stuck here at my shop I can't leave think of what would happen so if you would be so kind as to locate the divine or his first mate or perhaps any member of his crew and send a message Something subtle, but something that shows exactly what people like us, who befriend the little folk, who know of their ways, exactly what people like us are capable of. I'll know when it happens. He'll stop bothering me with a quickness. I've seen it before. And if you do this, I will not only gladly give you this trinket, but more if you wish.
0: I'll think about it. Um, seems like a reasonable deal. Uh, yeah, let me let me sit on it.
3: Should be easy. Maybe enough. even
0: sounds easy enough. I mean, it's about the existence of a shop like this, or at least somebody practicing these measures, I doubt this place would be as calm as it is right now. I've seen what they can do.
3: You are entirely correct. If it weren't for people like me, this little island man-made that has seen such interesting little guests move in would be an absolute chaos. Well, more chaotic than it already is, of course, and he smiles again with crooked teeth and says, I don't ask for anything too great, just a prank. Something that shows. he's being watched
0: you know what i'll do it i'll see what i can do as
3: a token of good faith i'm sure you keep your promises my friend and he takes down the little uh the little talisman and hands it to you
0: he smiles wickedly and says just call me messenger and then uh, gives a little salute and heads out towards the other shops around.
3: He salutes you back and then turns as if something is calling him and mutters, I'm coming, I'm coming, my pretties. And wanders off into the back of the stand. Jesus, fuck. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm glad I got out of there. you know, uh, just a nice, cool guy.
0: <sighs> you guys don't even know anything.
3: Y'all don't even know. All right tell azazel a little wolf you are walking through the clothing section and you're seeing some interesting outfits very interesting uh one of the one of the most interesting outfits you see is actually at a clothing stand you see a woman standing in front of the stand you you walk up and it's like all kinds of like super decadent decadent fancy looking pirate clothing the tricornered hats the big red feathers a lot of red and black and gray and dark blues uh like long pirate coats decorated with like brass buttons jewelry of all kinds and you see this woman standing in front of the uh in front of the stand and she has a cloak that constantly billows in an unseen wind And is standing, like, almost as if she's striking a pose, hands on hips, a tri-cornered hat with long horns sticking up from it. Uh, and as you get closer, you realize she's a tiefling. And she's wearing a gorgeous captain's outfit that looks like it must cost a small fortune. And she is talking with the, uh, talking with the shopkeeper who is showing different, like, heavy hooded cloaks. And little wolf is immediately like, "Holy shit! Look at that!"
2: Yeah, that's really cool, dude. Um, looks a little pricey though.
3: I want to, I want to go over and say hi.
2: Oh, you're talking about? Okay, yeah, go ahead. He runs forward and says, "Ma'am, excuse me, ma'am. Where, where'd
3: you get that cloak?" And she turns, and immediately he like stops dead in his tracks and is a little cowed. Um, she's carrying like four separate pistols. And a long saber, and her cloak billows behind her, and she cuts a very intimidating figure. And she, like, with a wave of the hand, the cloak settles at her feet, uh, and she bends down and says, "And who might you be?" He pauses and awkwardly says, "Uh, just, just an, an admirer of your cloak, ma'am." And she smiles and says, "I'll give
2: like a wow. half-hearted wave as I walk up."
3: it is one of a kind and little wolf's eyes wide and then says may i touch it and she kind of chuckles and says sure and like pulls it forward uh and he he reaches out and touches the cloak and it is of this like fine flowing silk-like fabric the shopkeeper says what are you doing don't you know you're speaking to the whirlwind and she laughs even louder as Little Wolf jumps back and says, wait, are you one of the council? And Azazel, you suddenly realize you're talking to one of the most important people in the Legion.
2: Do I even know who that is? Or am I just like, oh yeah, one of the council members, holy shit. Or do I actually have an idea of who the whirlwind is?
3: You don't know who the whirlwind exactly is, because you don't know that much about the Crimson Legion, but you do know that the council is a big freaking deal.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry, uh, um... And I'll pull uh, Lil' Wolf back a little bit. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bother you. She continues
3: to laugh loudly and says, "It's nothing. It's nothing. My cloak has many admirers, but none who are so brave as to come up and ask to touch it." Uh, and the 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 shopkeeper is like, "Oh my goodness!" And uh, Little Wolf seems a little shaken, but somewhat heartened by the fact that the whirlwind just seems to be laughing it off.
2: Um. Well, we can go now. Um, sorry to bother you. Um. Oh, hold on, hold. On. Are you looking for your own clothing? Uh. She looks you up and down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, we are. I, I look down. I'm still wearing this. What, what were they? They were indentured servants' outfits.
3: Yeah, they're like crappy white overalls.
2: Yeah. I need to. Or I've been kind of stuck in the same outfit for some time, so I'm looking for something a little nicer, but. That's within my budget, so... Not sure. Something befitting a pirate. Sure. I'm, I'm not sure anything in this store is going to kind of fit my budget, though, so we're probably going to have to look somewhere else. Is there a place with, like, uh, cheaper clothing?
3: Cheaper clothing? Come now, don't sell yourself short. Whose crew are you a member of? The, the shopkeep looks really nervous this whole time.
2: Um... Well, we're on... We're on the... The... the well, oh gosh, what did that pirate, what did he call it? The, 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 I think it's called the CLS, uh, Phoebe's Revenge.
3: The whirlwind's um, eyebrows raise, and she says the beast's vessel.
2: Well, yes. Um, and I kind of, I've like, I'm already averting my gaze cause I, I, I'm fearful to make eye contact as always. Um, especially in this situation, but, uh, I kind of look down He, um... He's... He... He's... It's no longer his vessel. Well, it is. He's... He's actually... Dead. Shortly after I joined his crew, um...
3: Her smile immediately drops and says, Oh, dear. What happened? And she glances down at Little Wolf, who's, like, kind of transitioned to hiding behind you a little, Azazel.
2: We were... Infiltrating, um... The manner of a... Governess, um... Uh... What island? I look over to my brother, I I don't really remember her name. She, er... In Port Royal
3: Little Wolf says, I think she was called Sloane? I saw her name on all the wanted posters. The Whirlwind makes a face and says in somewhat dramatic fashion, Sloane, I'll have her head for this. And then and seems to recall herself and says in a, in a bit of a quieter voice, Why, that is most unfortunate. Who's taken over the captain position now? Who will sit on the council?
2: His name's The Rambler. He's kind of a weird one, but he's, uh. He joined the crew around the same time I did. And the crew was kind of behind him, I guess. To be honest, I put my vote in for him, but only really because I wanted to take the room that he had the private room that he had
3: she chuckles and And then i
2: kind of like kind of look aghast at myself because i can't believe how much i just told her that she probably doesn't care about
3: yeah she she chuckles like a, a, a deep chuckle and says well space is at a premium aboard a pirate vessel if you're going to be carrying on his legacy then you need to dress the part and she looks up and uh dorian uh you arrive Hey!
2: <laughs> oh, also, Adele is here. I was excited. Oh, yeah, yeah. Adele is here. <laughs> I was sitting here like, oh, yeah, Adele's here too.
6: Adele's mesmerized by all of the pretty things right now.
3: Adele, could tell it to you straight. The whirlwind looks cool as shit. Billowing cloak in an unseen wind. Tricornered pirate hat. The fanciest pirate coat you've ever seen. Every piece of metal on her is like buffed to shining and uh of course she has the striking features of a tiefling
0: she has buffed metal but is she buff
3: she's also very buff actually i'm not sure you can entirely tell she she's wearing a lot of clothing but she she how does adele dress
6: uh adele is up in his full getup his full ornamental getup with the shiny armor the red cape, the... everything.
3: Yeah, okay, she she indicates Adele and says, he's got the right idea.
6: He goes, to be honest, it's really only because of the way I dressed, why I'm first mate. I'm just that-, that pretty.
2: Oh yeah, this is the first mate now, by the way. I forgot to mention that. I, goes, I
6: love me? just how much you forgot about me, but you know, um, I'll forgive you this time.
3: That gets another laugh out of the whirlwind, and she says, um... <laughs> she, she says, yes, of course, the Crimson Legion is just as much about being a good pirate as a striking one. You need to make a good impression if you're going to be rampaging across the high seas. And then Dorian Dorian arrives.
6: Yeah, Adele goes, if there's anybody who knows anything about good first impressions... It would be me. And and then he uh gives a a delicate bow. Wait, it gives Adele a bow? Delicate bow.
1: Oh,
4: delicate I was
2: bow, so
6: yes.
0: confused for a second. I was like, what's happening? Gives
3: Adele a kit bow. Dorian, what is what is your reaction to seeing the most striking well dressed pirate? The whirlwind.
0: I think his eyes just go wide. And um, his cheeks go completely red.
3: The, The whirlwind now seeing that she's gathered like a very small crowd, which is just you guys at the moment. But a few people are like stopping and staring and then like quickly walking the other way. She clicks her heels together and makes a waving gesture with her hand that like flips up her cape her cloak which then starts to flutter in again a completely unseen wind as it billows on its own she says a proper pirate must look the part be dashing be brave stand out when people see them riding in their ship standing upon the mast looking out they know who they're dealing with they know the whirlwind comes forth and you who are you who will they see coming across the horizon this is directed at Azazel.
2: Uh, I'm stunned. This just like kind of a, a, just like a, and I am stunned from kind of the showmanship that she just performed. Yeah, if, if this was a performance roll, it would be
3: a 25. Actually, you know what? Uh, because I think it's hilarious, she's going to make a performance roll. <laughs> it's actually higher than 25, because I rolled really well. Damn. This lady's crazy! <laughs> yeah it's like it's it's barred levels of looking fly w- when she gets no response
2: i oh yeah i'm sorry i um I was a little stunned uh
0: also I'd like to picture dorian collapse a bit after that whole whole little introduction
2: <laughs> i don't know i just just i don't just me i i don't know she gives a exaggerated theatrical bow
3: to you and says as far as titles go you strike me as hmm the scar i like that quite intimidating has a bit of character you know that they've been through some shit what do you think lad
2: i'm kind of biting the inside of my cheek and then i just like nod uh hesitantly sure uh that works
3: well we need to get you some clothes befitting of your new title when they see you walking along the horizon they'll know that's him that's the scar come now and she pulls out a purse uh that jingles quite heavy with gold and tosses it on the counter of the stand uh of the clothing shop the the store owner by this point has his head in his hands and looks like he is ready (laughs) to either die of shame or fear or discomfort secondhand embarrassment something and he, But he immediately looks up when the clatter of coin hits the table. And she says, I want something nice for the young man and his uh, companion. Something uh, flowing, something flashy, like his good friend here. And she shows Adele. Adele, like, winks. She nods and says, help them stand out a little so that... They carry on the beast's legacy as a crew that is as dashing as they are efficient. And she flashes you a smile. Um, and then the uh, and then the the shopkeeper says, "What about your current order, Madam Whirlwind?" And Whirlwind turns back and says, "Well, my companion isn't out of the dressing room yet. Let's see how it looks on them." And the shopkeeper. Like visibly sweating, kind of nods and says, "I'll I'll find something for the young gentleman and his brother. W- would you like anything, sir?" And he waves at you, Dorian.
0: Um, I was just gonna look around and see if there's anything of interest. I have well, the one outfit and can't be wearing that every single day. Uh, he is going to kind of look around on the. I'm assuming it's a stand. You said correct.
3: Yeah, so there's a bit of display.
0: Yeah, he's going to check out the hangers and the uh the displays and see if there's any clothing items that might catch his interest and start picking them up.
3: Yeah, some of the stuff seems like a bit too heavy or too fancy for your tastes, but some of the things are subtle and lighter and definitely appeal to Dorian. So you start just grabbing some grabbing some nice looking stuff.
0: Yep. Nice. He does.
3: While the shopkeeper is back kind of rummaging through his stock and looking for some good outfits for Azazel and Little Wolf, you all hear the, like, slow creak of a door opening somewhere behind and to the left of the stand, and then a, like, weird clicking, chattering noise, and the low thump of footsteps. Uh, the soundtrack suddenly starts to lean towards horror as violin strings start playing, and the whirlwind says, ah, they must be out of the dressing room, and around from the back of the stand uh lurches a figure entirely cloaked in a heavy concealing garment with a hood low over their face and the inside of the hood mysteriously dark even though the room is well lit the individual lurches forward and comes to a stop next to the whirlwind who stands there looking striking with her flowing cloak with with a bit of a smile on her face but mostly a thoughtful look everyone else who sees this like cloaked hunched hunched figure immediately feels a sense of dread and confusion actually i take that back that's up to you it's not a like supernatural oh this figure emanates dread and confusion but like the way they move how they're freakishly tall and the kind of weird clicking and chittering noises they're making as they uh, as they walk forward are enough to inspire dread and confusion and the whirlwind says uh this one looks like it fits what do you think the figure turns to her and you hear clicking and whistling noises and chattering and she nods and says yes I see how that hem could bother you hmm well, he brought out another one we could try. Uh, and she pulls another, like, heavy cloak that the shopkeeper had put on the front of his stand to show to her uh, and kind of rolls it out. And it's, it's very tall. Uh, and she shows it to the figure. And the figure turns and reaches out a hand out of its cloak to touch it and touch the fabric. Um, and you see the hand that reaches out is... Covered in a thick glove, but it is oddly shaped and does not have enough fingers.
0: So I think Dorian whispers lowly to Adele if Adele is nearby.
2: Yeah. How's Adele
0: Is the whirlwind friend with a massive insect?
2: I'm stricken by fear and won't say anything because I'm scared that if I say the wrong thing, she'll kill me. So I just stand Adele there in fear.
6: Whispers to Dorian either a giant insect. Or, um, we're all crazy. Like, we all ate something this morning, and we're just all hallucinating at the t- same time. Uh, Maybe there's something in the spices.
3: God, The figure uh pulls back their hand and jerks and lurches away a little and makes some more clicking and whistling noises. She, the Whirlwind, hands this new heavy cloak to the, uh, to the figure who the woman hands this new heavy cloak to the figure who takes it and then uh at, at the sound of their like clicking and whistling she kind of cocks her head and says an insect i guess that's what people always go for um and shrugs and says oh no no you don't have to take any offense i will and then another clicking noise and she shakes her head and says um don't worry, people just aren't used to seeing you around and about. We'll get your confidence back. And she uh kind of like playfully pats them and you see the cloak like billow or like move weirdly as if she just hit where nothing is.
2: She... Just to be clear, I move myself and my brother away from Dorian or from <laughs> Meanwhile... yeah, Dorian and Adele, and I'm like, I'm just gonna we're not with them. That's not <laughs> they're not with us.
0: Meanwhile, as a Dorian is like selecting a pair of suspenders, he says, Oh, no, no, it's not meant to take offense. I find most insects quite beautiful.
3: Uh, the figure turns towards you. Oh, sorry, what was that, Tori?
6: Oh, Adele just goes, That was a weird sketch. Like, like a come, like a catch yourself kind of thing. Dorian shrugs.
3: (laughs) The figure turns towards you and makes a clicking and whistling sound and... The, the Whirlwind says, no, he's not going to want to give you his hair. Now go back and change.
0: I want to do a perception check on this thing, or at least some indication of... Sure. Okay, because that, that's a little interesting of a comment. I rolled, I believe in a... Yep, 12.
3: A 12, I think, is good enough to know that, much like the Whirlwind's billowing cloak... This concealing garb that this mysterious figure is wearing is not normal. I, I can't tell you what they look like underneath because it appears to be designed especially to conceal that. The hood is ever dark, as if constantly cast in shadow that is too dark to see through, even though it looks like the figure can see just fine. And that's all I can really tell you with a with a perception check.
0: I think he sounds good. I think he just raises a brow at that, but keeps to himself... As he continues to select clothing.
3: Okay. Uh, the mysterious figure uh, lurches back to the changing room and slinks away. And the shopkeeper comes back with a big, like, with a bunch of selections of outfits for Azazel, Little Wolf, and Dorian to all try out.
0: What? <laughs> I think. Okay, wait. No, I think when she braids oh, so the this clothes. Is... He verbally says, So this what? is the
2: scene in which we do the whole, I step out in an outfit. That's a Zazel dressing up. And then the lady going, mm, no. The whirlwind says,
3: come try some of these on. I assure you they're splendid. The finest the Crimson Legion has to offer. You need to look like a pirate if you're going to be a pirate. Isn't that right?
2: I think he's talking to Dorian because Dorian said he wasn't going to.
0: What? I never said.
2: Didn't you say something like, oh, no, no, or something like that?
0: I said, what? In no, confusion. Oh. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Can Adele be our judge?
3: And she she turns to Adele and says, you will help me judge.
2: Is there only one dressing room? Oh, there are three. Oh, perfect. Oh, wait, three. There's there's three of us trying to close on. Your friend's still going.
3: Don't worry. My friend will be out in a minute. Okay. And I'll let we cut to- My brother go first. <laughs> We cut to a montage of you guys trying out different weird piratey outfits and the Whirlwind and Adele looking and either shaking their head no or like giving a thumbs up. I gotta
0: ask, how extravagant are these clothes? Like, what kind of clothing did she choose for Dorian?
3: (laughs) Some of them are incredibly extravagant, like way too over the top, and some are more subtle, Uh, It looks like she picked a wide range.
0: I think with everything, with, like, overly bright patterns or sequins and all this other junk, Dorian comes out with the biggest frown or just tosses the clothing over the... The, um... The door. Or however it's set up for the changing room without even trying it on.
2: Right. I also stay pretty simple.
3: At one point during the montage, the other door opens, and the stranger walks out in the cloak and uh in, in a new cloak and the the whirlwind like frowns and then gives a thumbs up and the stranger like you see parts of them moving beneath the cloak and then they stick out a little hand and give a thumbs up back oh yeah
2: don't like that i like this guy
3: and then the, the whirlwind nods and like we we see we see her say I'll see you back at the ship. And they lurch off. By the end, you guys, the players, get to choose what dope-ass pirate clothes you buy.
2: I think I'm too scared to say no to anything that uh, the whirlwind nods her head at. So I just wind up in whatever she nods her head at.
3: Um, Well, of course, Adele Adele gets a choice too, so.
2: That is very true. (laughs) Maybe I should just let Tori design Azazel's clothes.
6: Would you really like me to? Because I can I found something that reminds me of Adele,
2: sure he says very hesitantly,
6: all right, hold on, let me think. I'm thinking for a Zazel. he oh i'm I'm gonna need a second I'm gonna need a real second,
2: <laughs>
6: so whoever I guess pick out um uh uh little wolf's costume or outfit. <laughs>
2: i think little wolf tries to go really extravagant because that seems to be the personality that joe's given him i mean and i I, and i like try to dissuade him little wolf like wants
3: the cool adventure side of things he he's gotten a little more grim as unfortunate things have happened to him but he's still you know he still wants that like crazy cool swashbuckling sense that he's gotten from hanging around the crew, basically, and hearing their sea their stories and the like. So he, he definitely goes for something fancy, like a lot of red accents and highlights and, like, a, a, a little, like, a red bandana, like, tied around his arm and, um, like, a, like, a lovely black coat, his own hat, all sorts of stuff.
2: I try to dissuade him from anything... I, I think, like, the way it works is I try to dissuade him in a way that's like, you know, you don't want to... You don't want to cost the whirlwind too much money. Uh she's trying to do something nice.
3: The whirlwind's like, oh, money's no object. That's a that's a wonderful idea, lad. I, was I totally
2: kinda sleep back because I will not argue with her.
5: Man, I so. can't wait for Lil Wolf to be the best dress oh of all of us.
2: <laughs> Guys, look at
0: this! The little kid in this picture.
5: <laughs> oh my god.
2: Amazing. Ah!
0: <laughs> it's so
2: good. Or did you send it? I've been
0: sending pirate outfits in Discord. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, uh, <laughs> that's, that's one of the outfits Little Wolf settles on.
0: You should probably describe it for the, the uh, listeners.
3: Yeah, so it's a tricorn hat, uh, a, um, a small red scarf or cravat, or no, do they call those cravats? The scarf type things that you tie around your neck uh but aren't big like scarves uh and a like striped blue and white striped shirt uh horizontal stripes you know the sailor the sailor shirt and then loose fitting pants and like a saddlebag accessory uh but he also picks an outfit that's just that just shouts extravagance and opulence and badassery and uh the the whirlwind happily pays for all of it to the shock, horror, dismay, concern of the shopkeeper, <laughs> and me, and Azazel. So, Azazel and Dorian, you may you may describe other outfits you buy now or at a later date.
6: I was the gonna Lord say Lord. I have Azazel's.
3: Oh yeah, okay. What, oh, I gotta see. This Adele is. has
6: picked Azazel's, and it looks kind of like this. You know those that like male Victorian. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Uh-oh. No, I'm so
5: excited! <laughs> oh, oh my god! Did you
2: post a picture? Hold on, I gotta look at it. now. It's a, it's a red oh. velvet tailcoat
0: <laughs> for a pirate. Yes,
2: a top hat. Yes, <laughs> real. Oh my god! So the thing is, is a is this how i start with like a complaint? But if he's like, if the if the her, her Whirlwind says anything, he shuts up. I,
3: I think, if I may, Adele, I think you and the Whirlwind have some fun with it. Because you realize he'll go with anything you say. The, the Whirlwind's like, I think we should go fancier. What do you say to Velvet? <laughs> uh...
2: Sure. Perfect. And from the back... Isn't Velvet going to be really really bad for the life on the sea?
3: But you'll be the most dashing member of your crew.
2: Uh, okay. Sure, uh. Okay.
0: I think then Dorian comes out with an outfit, takes one look at Azazel, and snorts and says, Wow, you look like a lemon. (laughs) He, meanwhile, is wearing something much more simplistic. Um... He has a pair of uh, black pants with a belt tied around it for his uh, bag. Um, and his, he, he's testing out with the, the, the book also attached to the belt. Uh, wh- another white blouse hooked in, but instead he has those suspenders he had been eyeing before on. And over that is a loose-fitting pirate-esque coat, like that one that I posted up top more. With like buttons on either side, not necessarily like over-the-top pirate coat, but um, a simple silhouette. And I think that will be like a dark gray with a white blouse. And hooked up to the uh, to his hat at the moment is just the uh, flower, and he's just trying to figure out where to pin it and trying different locations.
3: Okay, the whirlwind slaps down an exorbitant sum. And tells the shopkeeper to keep the change. And gives you all words of encouragement, you know, like, Be brave, be bold, do the Crimson Legion proud. Her cloak billowing in the wind, her coat flapping. And then uh, as you leave, she walks away laughing loudly. The last thing the shopkeeper says is, Oh my god, I can't believe we're not dead.
0: Adele, did you purposely choose that outfit so he looks like a complete wang?
6: Are you kidding? I wanted more competition on the boat. And you figured that outfit would make it a competition. Trust me, when the other, when the rest of the crew will see him, they'll be like, oh crap, we're going to need to up our game. Then we'll be the fanciest. <laughs> Sorry, I can't say this without like a straight face. <laughs> uh, the, can you imagine not only being the mo- most powerful pirates on, on the ocean, but also like, the greatest looking? People would be afraid of us from a f- so far away. They wouldn't even come near us. They could smell our cologne. I am personally of the opinion
0: that good looking doesn't necessarily have to mean high now.
6: <sighs> I completely disagree, and therefore I am not listening. And he walks away.
3: We open to the creaks and groans of a ship's hull on the high seas. The camera is located in a crew quarters room, a sectioned-off tiny closet-sized space with just enough room for a bed, a little writing desk, a chair, and surprisingly, a full-length mirror bolted to one wall. As the camera pans, we see the owner of this room, or at least its current resident, Miss Anne. And she is again sitting in her room. She's writing on a piece of paper at her desk. It's clearly been a while. She's much more used to being on a ship. We see the camera pan around her, and her reflection is watching her. And then it fast-forward again, and it says, uh, seven days later, and the ship is in a storm, uh, and she's sitting on her bed with her rifle, and we hear a shout outside of someone shouting, Pirates on deck! Pirates on deck! And a gunshot rings through the silence, or rings through the pattering of the rain, and Miss Anne stands up, startled and rushes out the door. She gets out onto the main deck to see the rain is coming down, and the crew are scrambling about the ship as pirates jump on from the rigging of a neighboring vessel, and set upon the crew. The warden pushes out from the cabins beside her, and says, Miss Anne, get back inside where it's safe, and draws his sword and charges out. And she says, what are you talking And she raises her rifle takes a deep breath, and pulls the trigger. And we see in the distance a spray of blood, and one of the pirates fall to the ground. She then adjusts her aim at a pirate climbing up the rigging toward the lookout, fires again, we see a piece of rigging snap, and the pirate like start falling, hanging onto the ropes. Uh, she mutters a curse, pops open the barrel, and begins to reload when the camera pans around, and another pirate leaps at her, uh, brandishing a knife, and they, together, they grapple for a moment, her trying to keep the blade from him, or from her throat, and the priest walks out, sees what's going on, curses, uh, looks left and right, and then pulls from beneath his cloak a small vial of black, flickering liquid, dumps it out onto the rain-swept ground, and mutters, Go! Stop him! We cut back to Anne, who is grappling with this guy, and the knife is close to reaching her neck, and then the man gasps, and a black goo slaps onto his neck and creeps around and starts creeping up into his mouth, and he screams before Anne wrests the knife from him and plunges it into his chest, pushes him off her. She stands up, panting, and sees the priest and says, What are you doing out here? And he says, I came to help in the fight. And she says, No, get back inside where it's safe. And then she lifts her weapon, reloads it, and charges back out into the fray. We cut to the next day, and Anne is sitting uh, in the captain's, or in the uh, crew quarters, trying to clear a jam in her rifle. We see her wrist is bandaged up, and she looks like she's taking a couple bruises, but she is otherwise fine. And. We see the priest stagger in, and he looks like he has a broken arm. And he stumbles and sits down, and Miss Anne looks up and says, Oh, you bandaged that improperly, let me take care of it. And walks up to go help him, and he says, No, I, I don't need the help, I have it fine. And she says, No, 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 it, it's not correct, let, <laughs> let me help you. And like, gets over and starts trying to bandage it up a different way. And he kind of pulls away and says, No, don't, don't touch me. Uh, And she looks exasperated and says, do you want help or not? And he squints and says, not from you. And there's a brief pause where she looks at him as if she doesn't understand what he means. And then the warden steps in and says, Miss Anne, do you need help clearing that jam? And she straightens up and says, no, I have it. It's fine. And he says, I've been seeing you fiddle with it for the past hour. And she says, I said it's fine, and walks back, sits back down with her rifle, uh, and the warden points to the priest and says, that bandage is incorrect. And he says, I know. The warden slowly sits down and calmly says, You fought well out there, Miss Anne. Where did you learn that? And she shrugs. Um, and he asks... Where did you say you're from? A small village south of Landfall. He sighs and says, what is really bringing you up here? I know you're driven on some sort of mission. No one who isn't driven like that would have walked out into the fray the way you did. She looks up and says, I'm looking for my son. He's ill and if I don't get to him soon and bring him back home I'm afraid he'll die the warden looks at the priest and the priest raises his eyebrows and she says the worst thing is he doesn't know it he thinks he thinks he's fine he's convinced he can take care of it on his own and he fled to the frontier for some time godforsaken reason and I I need to bring him back before he's too weak and and something happens the warden sighs and nods and says I've seen a few people in your position Anne if there's any help I can provide I would be happy to and she sighs and says yeah well sometimes I I don't know if it can be helped. The priest says, You have the blessings of the Maker on your side, I'm sure. They would never let a woman see her son die before them. And she shakes her head and says, Happens all the time. And they sit in a somber silence. And we fast forward seven more days. We're back with Miss Anne in her room. Her wrist has healed. She no longer has the bruises. Her rifle is sitting in a corner. And she's writing again. And she hears a tapping as if on glass. And she turns to look. Her reflection in the mirror is tapping on the glass. The reflection in the mirror whispers in her voice, Anne, Anne, listen to me. She freezes and stares wide-eyed. Anne, your son is dying. Anne's heart beats rapidly, and she slowly reaches for her rifle, and the reflection says, Listen to me. You can still save him. I can still save him. And the camera pans around, and Miss Anne kind of, Occludes the reflection with her own form, and we pan around, and the reflection is now of Dorian Dreamsbrook. And she gives a shaking gasp and stops reaching for her weapon, and Dorian says,
0: I'm keeping him alive for you, Anne. If you do as I say, he will be alright. You just need to do exactly as I say. Go to the island of Tor. I have someone there I wish you to meet. If you do what I ask, perhaps I'll keep him alive for a little while longer.
3: And then there's a bang and a ringing in the room as Miss Anne has grabbed her rifle and fired. Her mirror lays in tatters, shattered on the ground. And Miss Anne is breathing heavily. And then the door opens and the warden steps in and says, What happened? Miss Anne turns and says, It Fire, I-, I was cleaning my weapon and it went off. The warden takes a deep breath and says, You need to be more careful. You're clearly not familiar with that rifle. And she says, I have it handled. And he says, I can show you a thing or two. And she says, No. This is my gun. It's not parting from my hands. He sighs and says, You really don't like asking for help, do you? And she takes a slow, steady breath, and says, well, it's not my job, is it? My job is to help others and take care of myself. It's always been so. I need to make sure my son is safe. And I need to make sure I can do that on my own. Can't rely on anyone else. The warden frowns and says, it's interesting, coming from someone who was so urgently attempting to tend to our wounded when the surgeon clearly had it handled. She gives him a glance, and says, It's none of your business, anyway. You're here for an entirely different reason, aren't you? The warden sighs and leans against the doorframe, and says, I'm here on warden business, yes, but it is also a personal matter. The case I'm working on, I've been working on for quite a while. Years, in fact. Thought the trail had gone cold until the commissioner found something. The Miss Anne looks over, seemingly interested but trying to hide it, and he smirks and says, I'm sure you've heard of the freak storms we've been having. They've been getting quite common north of the Reach. Miss Anne says, Is that so? You think it has something to do with new magic? Cultists? Visions? The warden gets grim and says, I think it has something to do with some otherworldly power. Some intelligence. Something that's watching us. I think it's trying to control us through certain objects. I'm intending to find those and bring them into custody for the warden commission. Miss Anne takes a shaky breath and says, Why are you telling me, Mr. Holt? And the warden says, I'm telling you, because I want a deputy. She looks up and grimaces and says, I have my own needs to look out for. I don't have time to be... And he raises a hand and says, no, no, it's just while we're traveling together. And if at any time we need to part ways, that's fine too. I just want someone with confidence to have my back. And I've seen you can handle yourself well enough. In return, I'll help you find your son. He's right around where this is happening. If he's in the frontier, this is where I want to be. And I'm sure you still have a good fair bit of traveling to do. What do you say? Miss Anne thinks for a minute and says, I'm going to have to consider it. And the warden nods and says, I might ask the priest too. I like to look at that fellow. And turns, and leaves. The door shuts, and the camera pans through the wall into the priest's room, and we see him hovered over a basin of water. He has a cloak over his head, the starry cloak, and beneath it we see glowing eyes and fangs, and he's whispering something, and his voice is low and menacing. And then there's a knock at his door, and he turns and says, Hey, hey, get out of here, I'm busy. And then there's another knock, and he pulls down the hood, and it's just his normal face, and he says, Hey, what did I say? (laughs) Off. And waves his hand over the basin, and it's murky water's clear.
6: I think it's really beautiful to see two very pretty, uh, like, stereotypically masculine characters confide in each other when they have nightmares.
4: It's my patron, so it's my daddy.